0: people don't recognize them which is a nice thing and people uh, perhaps more likely to talk to you if they don't know what it is and maybe there's not necessarily the greatest image about Lamborghini and if someone saw a Lamborghini on a forecourt I mean kids would go it's a Lamborghini but everyone else kind of goes oh it's a Lamborghini.
1: I've, I've clicked record so everything that you say from here on in is recording.
0: That's good to know, I'll try and remember not to swear.
1: Yeah, and maybe, you know, not scroll Uh, through Twitter uh, on your phone.
0: (laughs) I can multitask, I can talk and read and tweet at the same time.
1: In all fairness, they've done studies, nobody can do it. No one can do it. Nobody can actually multitask. You can switch between two things quickly, but you can't do two things simultaneously. Really? Yeah.
0: See you later. Surely someone must be able to multitask there. Well, I imagine
1: there's maybe like Michelangelo with his painting two things in two hands kind of thing. That's ambidextrous.
0: I'm not sure that's multitasking. No, the no. Ambidextrous
1: thing. is being able to use your hands for two different. Like you can write with your left and your right. Doing two simultaneous drawings, one with each hand, is. Oh, doing is more two than separate un- drawings. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Is a bit. you doing than the same. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it is, isn't it? Uh,
1: Mike, this none of this stuff's really going in yet, so you're all right for the time being. Can I just Talk about about Michelangelo. Yeah, definitely. Well, Mel will definitely try and call you. And then I won't know where it's coming from. And then it will ruin the whole thing. We'll have to keep Luke here for yet another hour. <laughs> <laughs> and then he might kick his way out the door. <laughs> we'll get great audio going, fuck this! I'm off. Smashing glass. You got everything? This is going in now. <laughs>
0: it's a great start. Everyone will want to listen. I think that's it.
1: Right, it's just. I think we're alone.
0: <laughs> apart from all the people listening, apart from all the people listening,
1: this is a, a special occasion. I've got internationally acclaimed Mr, <laughs> Mr. Hellcrate on the uh, on the podcast.
0: <laughs> Welcome yeah. to uh, to the morning drive. <laughs> Thanks. I don't think anyone actually knows me for Hellcrate apart from three people on Twitter that no, I try and bully me. With you're it.
1: entirely known for yeah. That, you that. you turn up at people's places to pick up their old Jaguars with a beaver tail and then you take them back to your yard leave them to rust for 15 years and then Hellcrate swap them that's it right?
0: I haven't even been driving for 15 years <laughs> hellcrate swapping them actually, <laughs> you did the you see of... what just went past? no
1: like a proper old muscle car like a Chevette or something it's like that shame
0: didn't turn up earlier isn't it?
1: yeah like a proper like Chevelle looking thing
0: actually I'd need to buy the Hellcrates now because I don't think you'd be able to get them in 15 years by the time all those Jags are rusted
1: oh that's true
0: Good job you've Just got buy so a many pre-cooking. Actually, did you see? I think the um, was it five billion dollars the crate engine market's worth in the five US? Five billion, something like that. Jeez. I think it is. I might be mistaking billion for million, but it's worth an absolute fortune <laughs> for the people who swap them because those three main manufacturers and but you can't get them over here, oh, which is good because I don't need any hill crates. You've, you've if you get up. crate V12s, I'd be interested, but you can't.
1: I have to have a chat with someone like BMW. See if I they imagine can. if Aston
0: Martin actually sold a crate V12. I'd put an Aston Martin V12 in the next year.
1: That'd be amazing. Well, for for anyone that doesn't actually know who I'm with, it's Luke from Luding Classics, um, influencer, <laughs> Not Jaguar <an> influencer. <laughs> driver, um,
0: watches old Jaguars rust away in yards. Um, for anyone who actually follows me on <laughs> Twitter, you know I can't influence anyone <laughs> to do anything. <laughs> Apart from maybe the opposite of what I asked them to do.
1: Like, Liam, get that Porsche out of my yard. <laughs> get it out it of my yard. It's been there for ages. <laughs> um, but no, Luke is a, a good friend and a, someone that I've spoken about several times. And anybody that's listened to the back rows has heard us talk about him. And he's effectively the saviour of a small group of people with cheap old classic cars because uh, <laughs> he lets <laughs> us use his yard to try and make them work again and yeah. offers help and advice. Mm where I can and makes things hopefully leave in a better position than when they arrive.
0: Well that's the aim isn't it? It's trying to keep people's cars on the roads without having the massive budgets that some people have.
1: Yeah because not all of us can afford to go to a mechanic and throw money out.
0: The problem is is you want classics to be accessible for everyone and there's cheap classics I mean it's like your Renault it's a 500 quid car but really you're not going to be affording even at like a £60 an hour labour rate if someone's charging you for absolutely every hour they use. Yeah. So it is it is difficult for people if you don't necessarily have the skills, and <laughs> talking about Liam and Jared, you definitely don't have the skills, and I'm saying that in <laughs> the kindest way possible, but trying to help them out so they can get their cars on the road and use them, and also not only that, but I mean they're doing their thing with the back roads and trying to support that in a small way. I mean I have that frustration and the way they kind of film and everything, if I've tried to help them with that, it's... Everything has to take about ten times as long as I think it should because I don't know what I'm doing. But it's yeah, trying to help where we can.
1: No, it's 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 great, and I've only really known you for what coming up to two years. Yeah, since the time. Temp- flash, morning. hasn't it? It's been wild. I. I mistook you for merlin the first time we met yeah i would forgotten um, that. which i had a very awkward conversation with him about when i first met him properly so we, we met at the the tamp coffee morning you turned up in the curfew jag i forgotten about tamp as well yeah I, I was there in the long, unfortunately because of the pe- pedestrianization of chisey mm. basically i turned up at a classic car meet in the modified 2014 toyota as you do <coughs> um because dorian invited me down basically he said oh i want to talk to you about t-shirts i was like yeah sure um, which I don't really know that much about. I just go, here's where I get them made. <laughs> there we yeah. go.
0: Here's the result.
1: Here's the, how they look. Um, no, we met, and you obviously have Frank, and Frank was a puppy yeah, when we first was a met. a puppy. And you were telling me about the Duke of London and how yeah. they do the coffees and cake and things like that. Yep. Yeah. And then I went on the Duke of London Instagram, saw Rodney, who looks very similar to Frank.
0: Yeah, you're not the only person to confuse Rodney and Frank because Frank was obviously smaller at that point and Rodney was bigger because he's a few months older
1: yeah and because i'm terrible with remembering names and people and things like that and because you and merlin have brown hair and a bit of facial hair i went oh that's obviously the guy i was chatting to he was just telling me about his thing yeah. so then i messaged merlin on instagram going oh it's really nice to meet you looking forward to coming down to coffees and cake and merlin being as polite as he is he was like who the fuck are you <laughs> and i was like oh shit so then when i did go down to coffees and cake i had a very awkward moment i was like i'm that idiot that thought you were luke yeah. Because you've got the same dog, and uh, it was a very awkward first. Intro- I, I imagine that's probably why he's never engaged with me in any way since. Uh, he, he's a nice <laughs> enough guy.
0: He's just kind of he's busy he's a, very a lot, busy and he's yeah, running around. and The problem is when he goes to Duke of London, there's a lot of people. Everyone wants t- part of his time. Yeah. Uh, so I think he's always talking to people and always got things on, and he's got a lot of friends there as well. And it is those mornings are busy for him. Oh yeah, of course. And I, I can have especially when he doesn't symptoms. necessarily turn up first thing because he's. And has his own life to run yeah he turns up and everyone kind of jumps on him but he is, like he's a nice I guy i can understand how busy you can be in those events now that we've
1: got coffees and cars to a point where we've got quite a lot of regular faces I think so the, then a lot of people know who i am yeah and i have to try my best to say hello and talk and the, to everyone the
0: thing is people know you're approachable as well and people like to talk to you and you like to talk so conversations aren't just a hello i'm such and such nice thanks for coming you kind of have a conversation with everyone which, it takes longer so I mean he's always constantly talking if you see him there just like you are here it's when you're hosting those things everyone wants part of your time yeah and I I try my best to give everyone as much of my time as I can yeah you do constantly and it is it's hard being tugged between people when you're having a conversation with someone else and you kind of everyone's trying to grab you it's difficult to shift those things and I mean I'm not someone who necessarily talks to lots of people but the people I know in those circumstances there's people you know from different places you can't necessarily have all those people in one conversation and yeah. you're kind of looking at them like, I'm going to get to you in a minute, but yeah. doesn't yeah. quite happen. form a nice orderly queue, we'll have a chat one yeah, by one, thank exactly. you very much. You and obviously the difficulty
1: it. for you being an influencer is you have so many people being that know influencer. who you are and you <laughs> they, don't really know who everyone is, but they approach you,
0: oh, I'm so-and-so. There's people, they're not necessarily people who know what I look like, there, there is enough of them that kind of would recognise the car or you get seen it in another car and then they know what you look like or yeah. they've seen maybe a photo, perhaps, but it's, I'm not too well known, fortunately, that I get harassed all the time. Not that people are harassing me. But, um, Which is
1: w- wild, because being so prominent in the car world and having such a huge following of people that hang on your every word and really need to hear what you have to say all the time, it's weird that not enough people know what you look like.
0: No, I think that's a good way, but it's not overplayed. People don't <laughs> hang on my every word and people aren't interested in what I have to say, I think. People like that I tweak a photo of a car and I think that's as much as it goes. People aren't necessarily interested in my opinion on things. I think people will sometimes reply to things to try and wind me up like with beaver tails and things like that. But it's not actually necessarily an interest in who I am. It's the cars. Yeah,
1: I think the thing is you are in the classic car world in a professional sense, which means that you are at a lot of things. So you yeah. give insight. So you'll go to a lot of
0: the auctions and a lot of the shows and a lot of the yeah. So you're, you're a nice source of information for what's going on. To be fair, I think the auctions, probably out of the people who have followed me, has probably been the biggest boost because if I'm tweeting the prices from an auction, people follow it as an interest in where what their car might be at or things that are relation. Or they even say, I can never afford that, but i have been interested to see how much they go for, the condition of them, or I try and comment on something about them. But it's that is people engage with that more than anything else. But yeah. then again, it's the volume of tweets. If there's 100 cars going through an auction and you're trying to tweet even 75% of them, people will reply to them. But it does, it gets a bit of a lot. I mean, if I'm tweeting on an auction day, sometimes there's two auctions a day, you actually come on, your thumb's hurting, like, I can't even bother <laughs> to tweet these. And then everyone's replying to you and you're trying to like tweet the cars as they go through and watch the auction and then reply to people and it gets like constant. A bit overwhelming. they sit there and do nothing else. It's a complete, unless I'm buying something, you know, it's a complete waste of a, like, a day. But it's, I don't know why I bothered it. You hear
1: first auctions are a waste of the day.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't do it as much as I used to because it was like every auction. I think, no, I only do it at a certain. Or if there's a car I'm interested in, I'll tweet about those cars rather than every single thing. And the problem is you then get people going, do you remember what this sold for? You remember that sold for? You go back through it and remember. But it is. Surely the auction
1: houses should have someone that's doing that
0: kind well, of thing well most of them do and to be honest those kind of people take it as a bit of a game like i think Silverstone Auctions do it and i kind of beat them to the tweet and tweeting it <laughs> first but yeah generally they do um some less than others but the problem is they've got it all live streamed anyway so the people who are interested in watching it are normally watching it That's so say they have youtube or they're watching a live stream or they're watching via the sale room or proxy bid or someone like that so it's not they're not necessarily so focused on social media as Yeah, because you know,
1: their purpose is to sell cars and make money. Yeah,
0: exactly. But they kind of try and boost their profile at the same time. So it depends who's doing it, really. Yeah. And some of them are more modern than other auctions, and it, in a weird kind of way. Some of them are really old-fashioned and some of them aren't. So yeah. even like, I'm trying to think of an example, H&H are kind of moving into that modern age but still kind of, not at the same time right so they're not necessarily as good with the social media but they are trying to do it yeah whereas Silverstone auctions and cca are a bit kind of more youthful and work on that kind of thing and their sole prices as they're doing them works a bit better
1: i think a lot of them have kind of learned a bit of how to pivot into a more into digital world through the lockdown and things like that i think well.
0: the last year well 2021 was really Quite some really came out of it really well. Silverstone Auctions and CCA came out of it really, really well, and their sales were really, really strong. Whereas some others really were struggling, and I think it was actually more of a problem for the regional auctions um, who weren't set up for online at all. Yeah. So the likes of Anglia Car Auctions, who actually did a really good job, and I like the people there um, of moving it all online. Bearing in mind they'd never had online bidding before it. Right. And now absolutely. they've kind of stuck with it, and they were doing it really well, and that. For them, moving on to that must have been a real struggle at that time. They knew that they needed to do it. And bearing in mind when we went into lockdown, if you went to an Anglia car auctions auction, they were crammed with people and actually it was too many people and the cars were running through and it gets a bit kind of smoggy almost. And I used to come away there feeling quite illness. Yeah. <laughs> genuinely. And um but now online it works quite well and being able to online big because I mean I've used their not a telephone bid there, but also left a commission bid. But I don't I'd rather bid online because you've got that in the room kind of control. Yeah. Whatever you say about any auction house, whether you can't actually watch other people bidding, which is a problem, because if you're more old fashioned and watching bidding, you want to know who's bidding in the room and bidding is actually true, let's say. Yeah. There's no chandelier bidding. Not saying that anyone actually does that anymore. <laughs> maybe they do, maybe they don't, but people will know. Um, but online you don't have that but you've still got the chance to if you want to move your bid up to be able to do that whereas with commission bidding you lose that and perhaps you'd say commission bidding is better for being able to protect your money and not get carried away bidding which is very easy to do and yeah. for anyone who's starting bidding on auctions it's the worst thing get you do the yeah. Yeah. it's so easy get I've started. done it and I've paid more than I should have on a car and I'm reasonably good at being sensible I'd say it depends what I'm buying it for but it's one of those things. But it's been a difficult couple of years. But like I said, some of them have come out really, really strong and made probably more than they would have on, before the lockdowns.
1: Well, it's, it's good to hear that they've been able to pivot, really. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's, it's difficult, through.
0: isn't it? Because it's even like we were talking about earlier and saying about video quality and audio quality is a big thing. Because if they haven't used that before and then getting set up with someone like ProxyBid or the sale Room is a totally different world for them. And even for auctioneers... It's it's a difficult thing. I wouldn't want to have to do it personally. No, yeah, me neither.
1: It's a world that I would be, like, even as a, a buyer, I'd be very like tentative to step into. It's it, as someone that's not had any experience in that environment, it's quite a daunting experience to start with. Yeah, I especially
0: think in the room. The problem is with buying things at auction is you get so carried away. It's harder to look at something as much as you would like. I think when you were so some of them were still holding physical viewing and some couldn't at that point and that was a problem because you couldn't look at a car properly and you're relying on someone else's assessment which may or may not be as good as your own Yeah. Um, and then some were operating one way systems and you've got you can't stop and look around the car as much as you'd like and you're not ever going to be able to give them a full assessment anyway as much as some people would love to spend an hour walking around a car at an auction and thinking they're kind of they turn into a, a bit of a kind of it's like nonsense almost they spend so long (laughs) looking at it they're obsessing and they kind of guard a car so no one else can get near it and it's frustrating in these times when you look around it but you kind of auctions are a difficult thing when you do get carried away sometimes it's best to take someone who knows what they're doing or have advice from them or really set yourself a firm limit because otherwise you'll spend too much
1: yeah and let someone else. and if you've not done it before
0: and you buy a car that's perhaps a bit of a lemon and don't get me wrong there are plenty of them in auctions then obviously it can cost you a lot of money yeah
1: no it's completely understandable which is probably what adds to the the fear of getting started in that one as well so yeah. to kind of we've very quickly gone off on a tangent of going yeah. to auctions <laughs> without really the context of why you go to auctions just to give a bit of insight for those that aren't part of your huge following <laughs> um yeah. what is it that you do as looting classics so aside i's, from putting elk s-
0: crates and jaguars I started off um, at university when I got, um, let's say, bored and frustrated at university, trying to, it was a trade in the classic cars, so I was doing it with my dad to get him out of the office as well. Um, Is that where Luden comes from, Luke and Dennis? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that was kind of the easiest option at that time, and it was kind of getting us doing something together, and just doing it kind of on the side and idly doing it, and I was buying and selling a lot, um, and to be honest, I got as it developed more and doing more of that stuff and doing more of we were doing the workshop side and fixing the cars as well and getting them back into a condition where they were on the road. Um, I got a bit frustrated with the selling side <coughs> and the, the buying side can be the hardest part to be honest, buying the car at the quality that you want but there were a lot of people coming into the market at that point who wanted what they viewed as a cast iron investment and the problem was there were a lot of not just magazines but people advertising that you could make a good return on your classic car and the reality is it's very hard to make money on a classic car over a longer term period And I mean one case was a 205 GTI and the guy came and he said I want to buy this now put it in my garage for three years and make five grand I said it doesn't actually work like that because with any car or anything like that, you need to maintain it, and putting it in a garage will do it no good. The best thing you can do is use a car, but then you have to spend money maintaining it, and it's you're never gonna you can't guarantee that any of them will go up in money. No matter how many magazines you see do an article that says in 10 years' time this will be worth 30 grand and you can buy it for five pound fifty now, um, <laughs> it it doesn't work like that, and it's a bit disingenuous to suggest it would. Um, but there were a lot of those people and there were a lot of people who didn't know what a classic car was and they expected their 40 year old car that they were looking at buying to be the same quality condition and kind of history as their 2020 fiesta yeah and it doesn't they, they're not like that they will have problems they will develop problems they will need care they will need attention they will need a bit of mollycoddling i can speak first hand on that exactly i mean you know it's like but people can't necessarily accept that or they'll buy it and pretend they can and then it, they can't deal with the reality of it. So I was less in the selling side, we were doing more trying to rescue a few cars and probably too many projects, as people who follow me will know, um, and get those cars, recommissioning them and getting them back on the road and selling them that way. Um, which works in a way and I was also selling more cars through auctions and dealing with a variety of auction houses with a variable level of success. Um, and doing it that way. And it's yeah, it kind of developed from there, and it's been, it's been kind of more business and less business over the last few years. Mustang? Yeah, nice. Um, but it, yeah, it works. It's kind of developed, and I've got away from the sales side. I mean, I still do a bit of buying and selling, but not too much. So what's the main
1: thing that you're doing with it now? Because obviously... Outside of that, your dad has D and G Assist, which is recovery yep. services things like that. So I've got those guys filling your yeah. shop up with our old cars as well.
0: I, I spend a lot of time on the recovery side, especially at the moment because there's so much going on. But
1: yeah, like you, you recently went to where was it? It was been everywhere last Italy. year. We're doing
0: a lot of European work, especially at the moment, and that was something we took on during um, the kind of COVID situation, as we needed something to bolster the amount we were making. So it's it's a difficult industry to be in anyway and it was only getting worse and i mean you know i can talk about that kind of thing for hours but it's probably not too interesting to people who aren't in that industry yeah um but yeah they at the moment it's kind of i'm having a bit of a clear out of projects i always say that but it's a new year so we're going to have another clear out new year, new year. Um, they've got a few that are on the go at the moment anyway That's recommissioning projects and the nice thing is now people will actually bring cars to me to sell so it's people would like me to buy a certain car or they recommend me to someone which is um a compliment as well and i had some people that i respect say actually can you help these people with this car and get that sorted and do a deal with them and say if i can do a deal i'll do a deal um as anyone would but it it's nice in that way so i've still got that kind of work going on and then it's more into the kind of i mean you know i love an xjs and more in the modifying side and seeing what we can do and perhaps in the future be able to offer
1: be like a specialist for doing
0: these not just XJS but in any car but that would be kind of the focus and being able to modify them, and not offer them an upgraded version into what specification I think they should be which isn't to say it's the right thing or the wrong thing but I think I know them pretty well and I think I know where they can be exploited more so I'd like to think I could develop a more advanced car now with a focus on the driving ability of it.
1: So not necessarily a resto mod, but more a bringing it to a place that it's, it's a good, yeah. good balance of...
0: resto mod's kind way. of a, a difficult term, isn't it? Because everyone's doing it. It's popular to jump on the bandwagon. I think I don't want to necessarily modernise everything about the car, and there's not a lot that actually needs it, because when you get to the kind of late 80s, 90s cars, they're quite a nice balance of technology and development i think you can also it, you can modernize things like the injection systems and the electronics in them absolutely you should because they're an old car at this point it but makes them more reliable if anything
1: yeah, they're more exactly. likely
0: to turn over when you want them to rather than yeah. when they fancy it and you can develop a more modern car in that terms but keeping the same engine the same running gear but upgrading what there is and using that where it where it can be and taking it to a place where it's just a bit more advert taking some weight out of it sure they're they're not a light car but they drive nicely and it's being able to do that kind of thing with them i mean i don't want to turn it into some kind of wide-body monster yeah but you've already got that yeah i've already got that and to be fair that's the worst driving car i own. (laughs) I mean buying that curfew jag was probably not a sensible decision but and it drives like no xj should and it, it isn't a nice car to drive necessarily it is a proper spectacle to see, though. Yeah, it is a, it is a spectacle to see, and it is, it's a very loud car, but it's...
1: That's it, because the exhausts stop after the front wheels. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the
0: side pipes are fake for anyone that's seen
1: this car. Yeah. They're just two bits of pipe bolted to the side of this car. Yeah,
0: but it's it's entertaining for people who are seeing it rather than the person driving it. I mean, yeah. it's got no headlining in it, the... <laughs> the gear stick is a, a snake, snake head. Head. <laughs> Yeah, It used to have light-up eyes, but it came off while I was driving it, so <laughs> that's not great. And when I bought that car, it was had been used in Curfew, the TV series with Sean Bean, and it was being used for stunt work. And on the keys, it had a tag that said, good XJS or good Jag. So that was one of three cars, it's the only one that survived. and. To be honest, it was in a pretty bad condition. I mean, it had a fair amount of rot in it, especially around the front suspension, which kind of surprised me. Just where me. you want it. Yeah, and it, didn't, it ran okay. It always ran all right. But um, yeah, it needed a lot of work. And then obviously, I was a, an accident in it with a field. Um, kind of... With a, a wheel, wheel coming off. Snapped and off. I still haven't repaired it. I mean, it's one of the ones it's sat in the workshop. We've done a little bit on it here and there, but I have to kind of sneak it past everyone because I'm the only one who actually, always say like that car, but it serves a purpose for me. I mean I could probably sell it and make money or I could break it for parts and make money, but I'm not too interested. In that. I like I would like to improve it to a point where it actually drives okay. The problem is the rear arches are full of filler to a level that <laughs> the tires scrub because those big wide arches are just yeah. It's it's a film car through and through. It's basically bodged together to look good on camera. Yeah. Which is fine, but I kind of wanna make it, make it for a drive. nice driving experience. No, and I've got the problem is I'm sport with a choice of XJSs, and ones they all drive better than that. There is not a single one that drives worse.
1: <laughs> so, how many have you got currently, including the curfew one?
0: Well, too many. The problem is, I went through a phase of buying three point six manuals because everyone kept listing them mainly on eBay and going, "This would be perfect," and to break. And I ended up buying them and saying, "These are cars." They're on a kind of the cusp of where you could break them or you could save them, and there is a limited amount of them out there. Yeah. Um, and quite a lot of them have been broken for the gearboxes already. And I mean, people put them in race cars, put them in everything. They're quite a strong gearbox, especially the 265 the at track rather than the 295. But they're, they would be my go to point if you want to buy an XJS and modify it, a manual 3.6. They're slightly lighter, they're slightly sweeter to drive, and there's a lot you can do with them to change them about. So I've got maybe five of those sat ready waiting for different levels of modification to build as kind of a demonstration car. Yeah, I know what I'd do with each of them. Um, so what we're talking about really is the this is the birth
1: of the singer of the XJ world. Yeah. I to kinda, a certain degree. It's not the half I mean, million pound. I, I'd
0: thing. love to get to a point where I could just build an enjoyable car. I think the car as itself is still underrated, and I think there's a lot that can be done with it. I'd like to get people to recognize that. I mean, it's never going to be as popular as a 911 because... I mean a 911 is just is the icon i suppose and everyone buys them whether they like them or not I suppose, yeah really it's because that's what you buy trendy, this is aren't? this is my sports car i bought a 911 and the thing is maybe some people buy a 911 because people who don't like cars know what a 911 is yeah and, i mean i own a 911 i like a 911 well enough um you have but, a yeah. Lovely 911. yeah it's a, a it's a a great car but i think it's nice to do something a bit different and i mean as much as I say, the straight-six drives more sweetly than the V12. Having a V12 is better than pretty much any other engine.
1: I mean, it's not exactly like you could top a V12, other than maybe a W12 from
0: like... No, a I, I, I'd still have a, v, a, a V12. <laughs> the thing
1: is... But then earlier when... So this morning we had an Aventador SVJ and a Hurricane uh, Performante turn up, and you were like, oh, barely any difference. One of them is a V12 and these ones are v10 no
0: i meant stylistically i mean <laughs> right. there, there is a, there is plenty of difference between event store and a one Hurricane. being the price tag yeah one being a price tag but in terms of what they represent they're not like poles apart no it's the problem is with me for lamborghini the, the Lamborghinis i like i think it's like the yalpa and older than that Uraco, and those are lamborghinis for me the more stylish type, whereas the modern ones aren't that. They're not so interesting. They attract a different type of person. Um, and They're probably, a bit more in your face, aren't they? Rather than being yeah. subtly cool. Yeah, kind of the, the older Lamborghinis had a bit of kind of menace about them that I like. And I think if you buy an older Lamborghini like that, the people who buy the new ones wouldn't know what it is. Yeah. And For me, that's preferable. I like something that's a bit more unusual, as much as some of my cars are quite mainstream having something that people don't necessarily recognise or they don't know kind of how well, good it's like it is. The, it's like the nice. Top Gear
1: episode where they had, what, 10 grand supercars mm. and James bought that old Lamborghini. Yeah. And in traffic like, oh, is that a kit car? Yeah. It's like, it's a bloody Lamborghini.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And people, people don't recognise them, which is a nice thing. And people uh, perhaps more likely to talk to you if they don't know what it is. And maybe there's not necessarily the greatest image about Lamborghini. And if someone saw a Lamborghini on a forecourt, I mean, kids would go, it's a Lamborghini, but everyone else kind of goes, oh, it's a Lamborghini. Yeah. So.
1: No, I can understand that. And being more involved in the classic car world than I used to be, I can appreciate the, the, the reasoning behind it more. Yeah. Um, although a Miura is still. I like a It's Mura. a Lamborghini through and through.
0: It is, yeah. Um, I just, mean, a Miura is not saying everyone gets to see even, and that's. For me, if I saw a Mura next to an event store, I wouldn't even notice the event store because, I mean, the it's Mura, a Mura is arguably
1: way more special. But the same goes for
0: a Yalpa or a Silhouette or a Eureka. I'd much rather. Or other look words at those. that
1: nobody's ever heard before. We <laughs> could, be, could be making these words up, to be fair. No,
0: no, you can go and look them up. They're <laughs> very cool looking cars. Um,
1: Johnny Ambrose has a, a lovely old, I think he's got a Eureka. And I think it very rarely gets seen because yeah. he's got the, uh, the lovely little Lotus bread van as well. Um, well, it's not no. a bread van, it's a Europa, the one with the, the boxy back. Yeah, I like back. a Europa as well. You wouldn't fit in it, though.
0: I've sat in here. Would I not? I, I fit in a Lan. Fit. I had an Land Plus 2S and I fit in that. And the amazing thing was, the passenger footwell, you can barely reach the end of it. It's ridiculously long. But I'd like to try I'd like to try Europa. I've always liked them and I would have one. I nearly bought one a couple of times. It's a Nova. Nova. Yeah, nice. Um,
1: I think they probably think that we're still going with the
0: coffees and cars thing. Who knew that Silveridgeworth is so full of old American cars? There's a guy around here with a Testarossa. And there's another
1: guy around here that allegedly has a Countach. In a really? storage container in his back garden. In a storage he container? He used to be uh, a place for a, a rock star. And, it, I, and by which I don't mean Rod Stewart. He also lives around here and has a, an SVJ. Um, no, he's he had like one song that... People will have known i can't remember it's back in the 70s
0: one song and it bought him a cuntash
1: i think so i was chatting to the guy with the testarossa and he was saying that he's effectively the current heir of the oliver twist royalties right so that i think bought him a cuntash
0: not bad which is an interesting bit of local knowledge i mean you wouldn't say no to the royalties to that kind of thing
1: no he also drives a bentley mulsanne and like a 745L or whatever it is, big old 7 series, the mm. long one. Um, so interesting guy, never met him, but hear all these stories and I know where he lives because he's got a blue all sand parked outside. Never met him, but I know where he lives. <laughs> he's, he lives near the canal, so if you go for a walk down the canal, you see the uh-huh. Bentley and that's it. And apparently in the, there's two storage containers in his back garden. One of them's got a, a cuntash in. You go make friends with him, have a look at his cuntash. I would love to. I've very nearly knocked on his door twice I and mean, been like, apparently like you have... you've got a contact. <laughs> Can up yeah. like, Oh, well, look. Because people love it when you do that. And, oh, you know where I live and you uh, know what car, car I might got... have. You're yeah. definitely not going to rob you me, just you? just told
0: everyone else as
1: well. his door. you know which house door. it is and
0: which one. <laughs> one with the Bentley. Yeah,
1: but it's in a little <laughs> courtyard of houses where it is all right. Um, there's also a really... Have I shown you the photo of the yellow painted... It looks like an old Rolls silver ghost No, it'd probably be a phantom like a, the you know the one where the the bentley and the rolls were basically the same car in the mid 80s or 90s
0: oh in the, so is it a rolls or a bentley i don't know because
1: it's on the other side of a canal in a like a field right okay there's a, a,
0: there's, a, there's a there's a few rolls and bentley's that were set built on the same body shell but it could be a silver spirit
1: well it's one of those looking things
0: <laughs>
1: it's looking really things. Really it's really square. It's, right. it's either one. It's either the Bentley or the Rolls. Right, okay. It, it could be either one. Well, it wasn't going to be anything else, was it? No, it definitely isn't because it's bright yellow and it's hand painted on the side like John Lennon's. Oh right, but it a later look, car. But a later car, and it looks like it's a replica of that. The only problem is it's in a boatyard, and when you walk down past this boatyard, you would think you're in The Hills Have Eyes. It's a very scary place. Like it's a really weird, like... The perfect it's place to put your... The uh, closest boat, uh, thing to hillbillies I've ever seen in this country.
0: Well, to be fair, they're probably the only kind of people who would own that car. Yeah. Actually, there was a a, a copy of the real car um, on the same model that's used as a wedding car around near Brentwood, I think. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. It yeah. could now be in that field over there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, back, back to you, because that's more important than me talking about what random crap... <laughs> what <laughs> lives <laughs> around here. Yeah.
0: Come to Ridgeworth. we've got random interesting cars nothing about. (laughs) If you look, you can find anything. I suppose that's true of anywhere, isn't it? You can find cars that are tucked away. It's funny enough, one of the XJs I bought recently had lived in Essex, then went to Bedfordshire, and then I bought it at Bonham's MPH at uh, Bicester Heritage, and it turned out that it lived five minutes down the road from me. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. You could have saved yourself the travel. I know. Probably could have bought it cheaper as well. Yeah,
1: save the fees. It's a nice car, though. So, another XJ for the list.
0: Yeah, Series 1. It's a nice, an XJ12.
1: So, your latest favourite, though, is your your lovely new Ford, isn't it? I say lovely new Ford. It's a very old Ford. It's a
0: 1967 Ford. So, the problem is, where I'm reasonably popular on Twitter is I've been told that if I tweet something, then it gets traffic for those particular cars, and I end up being outbid by other people, because I'm, like I said, I try to be reasonably sensible, so... It was another one from Bonhams MPH and I'd, they had a whole collection of American cars from a Swiss museum um, and I liked five or six of them and I was considering bo- like bidding on five or six of them and the one that stood out it was a 1967 Ford Thunderbird Landau sedan with a 428 V8 in it and I really liked that car I thought in the photos it looked like so stylish yeah. and I thought so I became an uncle for the first time last year. Um, and i thought i need an uncle car Um, and you ignored all our suggestions it's it's, an excuse yeah it's it's an excuse to buy another car and i mean my niece will go out in loads of xjs and all those kind of things but i wanted something that it was a bit different and i i always look at american cars and i've got a couple of older american cars but i looked at that i thought i really want that so i set myself a figure of what i was going to bid on i went and looked around it and when i saw it in person i thought that is just stunning it is exactly what I wanted and then the bidding came up and it went a bit higher than I wanted and I went no I'm just going to I'm going to buy it I'm going to have it so I did and I got I think it was a reasonable figure for it so then we got it back and it is it, it is just brilliant it's just it's acts, fantastic it's outrageous but yeah. it's such a nice car and it's it's really something different and I prefer it actually as a sedan or a saloon than the coupe there's a coupe currently for sale at the moment the guy keeps threatening to break because he can't sell it because everyone's a time waster but he's only tried selling it on Facebook Marketplace. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs>
1: just drop a message and put it through on an auction. Just...
0: Well, to be honest, if he was actually considering selling it and he was going to offer a real cheap price, I'd probably consider buying it. Um, but anyway, I bought this car. It hasn't actually got rear seatbelts, so I can't use it in an uncle car. I'm going to have to put seatbelts in it. But, but we know we know someone that can put it yeah, in, the know, yeah. and
1: they'll colour match it to the rest yeah. of the car. Yeah. No, I'm totally going
0: to have to. Uh, I'm waiting for Bonhams. If anyone knows Bonhams or listens from Bonhams, to actually Nova register it as I've paid for it, um, which would be really helpful, so I can register it, and then it will be out on the road, and I'll take it to plenty of places. But it's it's, a, it's something a bit different for me and it's nice to have a variety of things. I think you're aiming a bit high thinking that anybody
1: from Bonhams is listening to that. You've got a well, bigger reach than this. Bonhams
0: <laughs> employ normal people like you and I and I suspect some of them listen to <laughs> podcasts so hopefully someone can sort it out. It would be really helpful because I've been emailing for a few weeks now. Really? Yeah. You I mean, well, to be fair, I emailed before Christmas. So I think it was either Christmas Eve or Christmas Eve Eve and... Um, Someone responded to me on that day and said, tagged someone else in the email and said they'll be able to sort it out." And then I've had no response since. So
1: right, well, fingers crossed that it's just that that person's on holiday.
0: I mean, yeah, Without hopefully an But of there's I mean, there's three other people in the email chain, so right, one of them should be able to sort it out.
1: I well, mean, if, if Bonhams are listening, this isn't us trying to slag you off, but get someone to answer the bloody <laughs> emails, please, because you've got a guy waiting here. And I can't be the only one. Anyway,
0: like I said, there was at least five or six American cars from that museum in there, and I suspect at least a couple of them need Nova registering. Right. And as they've charged to do it, they should be fulfilling that, especially since I don't know where it came from in Switzerland. Right, yeah. So I can't even know registering, registering myself.
1: Has a lot of like, yeah. history involved, isn't it? Yeah.
0: I mean, I've got the stuff I need to register after that point, but no registering I can't do.
1: Right. See. And by doing that registration, that means you can have the black and silver plates on. Yep. I
0: can UK register it, I can drive it, use it, which is what I want it for.
1: Obviously, it's not one of your XJs to sit in a yard for 15 years waiting for a Hellcruid. To be
0: fair, I actually do use my cars. <laughs> I, I do. I do. I mean, some of them don't get seen for a while, but I do. It's it well, the,
1: the most well-known one is the red one that's over 200,000 miles. It?
0: Yeah. I mean, the problem is when you've got more than a couple of cars, it becomes a bit, I, people are going to say, I, I sound really sports saying a chore to maintain them all and keep on top of it all. But when you've got older cars and... High mileage cars and things, maintaining them is a nice thing, but it becomes a lot of planned maintenance and doing it all the time and keeping them. And then if you leave them sitting for a few weeks, it's like the Vantage. If I leave that sitting for a couple of weeks, it will just die. Yeah, that car, it's like a sheep. It likes to die, and um, that's all it's good at. Well, it's unfair. It's not all it's good at, but the battery will just go flat, and then it's got other faults from oh, the battery going you flat. i could daily drive it for you, mate. Yeah, or at least I know. It out like once a like week. I said, I sound really <laughs> spoiled, and I know I am, but I just. Yeah, it, you can't. Well, it, it
1: becomes a, a case of once you've got multiple cars, you have to almost have a rotor for them. Yeah, like sure. even with the two that I have, I have to be consciously making sure they both get used and checked up and looked at, and the oil gets checked, and the yeah things get looked at and made. And that's only with two, so with 800 cars, it must be really difficult <laughs> to
0: <laughs> even to just clean them. There's a problem, like, especially this time of year. Look it's look how dirty that,
1: dirty. That's the only car I have at the minute. Look how dirty that car is, and that's because I work, not even dirty. Though, I work even. a full-time job and do all of this stuff, and that means that through the winter, if it rains, the day that I had set aside
0: to clean it is gone. So I imagine for yourself, you, you but, have to really line them all up and do them all in one go. Now. The thing is as well, but that's all right. But when you're driving an old car around in winter and everyone you see everyone going, I'm going to put my car away for winter because there's salt. And you think, you're probably more sensible than that. And then you're thinking, I'm driving a 1986 Range Rover around, thinking the salt. And I actually get guilty of think I can't leave that being salt on that. I have to clean it. Yeah. And then you've also got, say I come out today and I take a car out and I've got to clean that as well because I've got to put it away. I think. It becomes you end up washing cars in the dark and it's miserable and it's cold and it just its just like, oh, I what can't you could do
1: with is have you seen those, um, the, uh, the, the touchless automatic car washers? Where it's yeah. like got a big arm and it just sprays everything a lot. Yeah, yeah that might be something to. I could just take
0: it to a car wash, but most people would be absolutely horrified if I did that. Well, what I, mean. I need is a voucher at work, but that seems to really work.
1: <laughs> so, Grace and Mel. My partner and Mike's wife um, have been banished from the cafe so that we can record this. And we've been recording for 40 minutes. and they been just, that long. Yeah, they've just finished their lap and come and waved at us through the windows. And now I think they're going to do another lap. <laughs> I mean, <they're>, Mike's house <laughs> is, I mean, that is a lap of
0: Sawbridgeworth. Yeah. It's 40 minutes. That's a long walk <laughs> around Sawbridge
1: <laughs> if you can make it 40 minutes. I yeah. could do it in like 10. Yeah. Um, but Mike's house is just there. So they could just go to his house. Which is it might as well at
0: least it's warm this yeah. time of year.
1: The only reason the cafe stays warm is when the ovens are on. Um, so for outside of Luden and D and G and that, obviously, you're you're quite a, a well-known guy in the West London classic car world, and <laughs> you got get involved with the um, the Wimbledon meet and the Duke of London stuff and the hill climb and stuff like that. If you were to pick your favourite thing that you do that isn't your like working stuff and obviously coffees and cars is number one so you <laughs> can take that out of the way you can go after that
0: I think the thing is for me I've been going to Duke London for I think it's since 2015 before like a couple of sites ago now for them and the nice thing was that I'm not necessarily the most sociable of people um, I'm not necessarily the most confident of people either so that for me I went there and I've made a few good friends through there and the nice thing is, it's good people, it's dog-friendly, and it's, it doesn't matter what car you're in. And I think the thing I've found with a lot of car meets, especially car meets around Essex Way, is that you get...
1: It's a bit of a status show-off. Right? Yeah, and know, it's way. a
0: bit of egos. And you get people, and I I mean, I'm not targeting anyone who has these cars when I say this, but in their M4s or their AMGs and stuff, and all they want to do is dick about and leave, like, tire marks everywhere. And for me, that isn't interesting. I'd much rather have a chat to interesting people about interesting cars and cars that are more to my taste, admittedly. But the modern stuff and modern car meets never really works. And there used to be a few that I used to go to and it was never really, I mean, enjoyable. Yeah. Because it wasn't it just was all the new stuff, and they were all the same. And I mean, it's like the kind of thing: open your bonnets. No one's really interested in seeing the engine of a car. They're all the same engine. They're not like anything. different the same different bits about of them. plastic as well. Yeah, exactly. It's like what turned out today: a Baja Bug is the most interesting car because it's something completely different. And that's the nice thing: the Wimbledon meet and Duke of London attracts some really unusual people and really unusual cars. And there's some real oddballs there in a really nice way. And I like that because. If everyone's a bit weird, then everyone fits in. Whereas,
1: if one car person meets
0: is can a be a different. bit clicky. And yeah. there's one particular one near me that I can think of that's on the main road. And if anyone knows the area around Essex and around Upminster, you go down and it's a lot of American stuff. And it is really clicking. If you go and you're not in that kind of group. Is this on a,
1: a Wednesday evening? way. Yeah, it is on a yeah.
0: Wednesday evening. You it's don't talk to anyone. There. And it's kind of, it's a bit depressing if you go somewhere and you don't talk to anyone and you just go look around and you kind of, what am I doing here? You no, know, like, it gets a bit like that. And I I imagine think, being me turning up there,
1: because I will just talk yeah. and I'm a bit down south now, so it's yeah.
0: not. Like you say, people
1: down south don't talk. They don't, but, unless you're at a car thing, like the right car thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and there's different car things suit different people, but Duke of London, I think, will probably be my favorite because it's the original one I went to. And it was, it's always been something different to see there and it's nice. Yeah. And they make it a good atmosphere, and Merlin's worked hard to do that. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it is a good place to go, and it's a nice, unusual place. I mean, it's got good food and drink as well, but like I said, lots of dogs, people, cars. But the hill climb last year was probably my highlight weekend of 2021, because it was I'd never done a hill climb before, and I'm not necessarily someone who enjoys track days. This explains why
1: you're not coming tomorrow. Yeah, but that's
0: not a track day. I mean, that's kind of like a lesser version. But track days for me, I'm not someone who really wants to exploit my car on track. I don't necessarily enjoy it in that way. And it's not, I mean, I grew up at Brands Hatch and I love Brands Hatch, but I've done track days there and I've never really like felt like I've got the best out of myself there. Whereas doing the hill climb, the only person I was competing against, not that I compete on track days, but um, is against myself. And it's how cleanly you can get up the hill. And I mean, I hadn't had the Porsche out in a while and I took that. It was my plan E of cars to take. <laughs> I actually wanted to take the curfew, which would have been a terrible idea. And I was considering God, you'd taking- you would have crashed that on the first car. That would have been, I would have crashed it.
1: And then the wheel would have snapped as yeah, well. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I took, I, I considered taking a six and a half liter XJS and I wanted to, I thought, actually that's probably not the best idea. I don't, it's that engine in that is so good, but I don't want to risk damaging it. Yeah. And I know the Porsche really well. I spent a lot of time in it, done a lot of miles in it and I took that and it was kind of reconnecting driving it there and I was actually following we kind of we left London and everyone got split up after Beckonfield Services and I ended up following Merlin's mum in a V8 Vantage through the hills toward, to get towards Shelsley. and it was just a really nice driving and I had Andrew Green with me and it was just a nice time spent with friends and just driving Yeah. and it was good fun and then the hill climb I, there was one run I did and it was just like spot on perfect and the car was really good and I was driving it well and it was really fun. And it was just such a nice place. And I mean, there was an F40 going up the hill. There was everything. But it was, it was a really good event. And I kind of I look forward to this year as well. I'm going to try and make it to this year. I think you should. I'm
1: going to try and bring I mean, Lila as there well. There was a motorhome
0: that went up it. Anything can go up there. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to try and I'm going to actually try and prepare something this year. I don't know what, but we'll see. I'd
1: like to take Lila. Part of me would also like to take the 86. Because I know that that's a much more capable car for that kind of thing. But Lila yeah. would be a much more fun spectacle. My only concern is that if she ever actually made it to the top. Yeah, I'll be in first gear the whole way there, which is probably when it breaks.
0: Well, I mean, there, there was absolutely everything: there were Range Rovers, there was a Winnebago. I think Merlin went up on a trike last year as well. That little three-wheel Barbie yeah. thing that he yeah, that's absolutely. Brilliant. I think he nearly got caught because the guy behind him in a GT3 was like right on his like <laughs> rear end near the top of it. But yeah, it's kind of you take a bit of everything, and it's nice to take something unusual. And I think it doesn't necessarily have to be fast. I mean, I've got my I've got soap in my nineteen thirty-eight. Um, for Tudor which is a stock car and I'd quite like to take that that would be I'd, fantastic I've just spent a fortune on it and it won't be quick I think yeah. Do uh, you know it's that difficult thing you want to take something that's reasonably fast that you can kind of impress with I suppose
1: yeah there's a bit of that and but I think having something interesting because a lot of the time you're not actually on the hill you're in the mm. paddocks talking to people yeah. it becomes a big car meet with one, a hill climb involved
0: one of the times I was at the top and I was talking to this older couple who had it was an xk 140 i think and they raced everywhere husband and wife um and they raced that car and did everything and i was talking to them because i really like an old xk and i quite like one and talked to him and that had been converted to five speed and his wife was saying the clutch was a lot easier for her because it was, everything was modified basically and they were really interesting and i'd never had a chance to speak to those kind of people before because i wasn't necessarily in a racing world but they yeah. went and raced that xk everywhere and it's a nice insight into different people and different like people in different kind of cars and different worlds but they'd all kind of joined into that collective and doing a hill climb but it is that was a lot of fun it was a good weekend that was just a a real laugh
1: yeah i think it it really goes to show the the opportunities in the the car world in a light that not that many people have seen the inside of because a lot of people think oh, car meet it's the amg guys the m3 guys meeting up in car parks doing donuts and yeah, like I went to a, an Essex meet-up thing in a and q car park and the security guards <laughs> locked the gates behind everyone after they'd driven in yeah. so that they could call the police. And I ended up having to go down... Isn't that entrapment? Something like that. Um, the way out was the footpath out of the um, the retail park was wide enough to fit a car down. <laughs> so we drove down the footpath across the, into, onto the zebra crossing and out. And I, I, did, I literally, I got there, saw what it was going to be like and immediately left. Yeah. And there were people coming out of the shops that had then been locked in Jesus. who had to follow me down the footpath. And then I saw all the YouTube and Instagram videos of them doing donuts and destroying it. I was like, oh, I'm glad I didn't stick around because the last thing I want is my car to be seen there. Yeah. The one that's covered in the branding is definitely the one that gets on in the news.
0: Yeah, I think um, that's the, that is the problem with some car meets is they attract a real... A certain type of person that is willing to spoil it for everyone else, and like you say, your car's brand new, or people who've got recognisable cars, you get kind of a bad reputation and you don't want that. And it
1: and it's always the bad reputation that gets seen most. Yeah. So the, the car scene to the, the layperson is normally seen as yobbos yeah being
0: dicks and ruining it for everyone. And the problem is, I don't know why anyone seems to think that doing a donut or doing a burnout is seen to be impressive most of the time you just, well in fact all the time, you just look like a dick. Yeah. I mean there's a place at a time for that kind of activity and it isn't in a car park, it isn't anywhere near the public. I mean like going and doing the hill climb, you could not necessarily donuts but people doing burnout on the start line to warm their tires up and doing those things but actually doing something like that and posting a good time is a better use of your skill and showing your car off. It's more rewarding as well isn't it? Yeah absolutely and it's kind of, it's a challenge I mean do anything like that, and even if you just want to go on a track day with your mates, do that. Just, what are you actually achieving by doing a donut or burnout? Apart from making sure that the event can't run for other people, spoiling their enjoyment, and, and everyone looking at you and thinking, "Christ, what twat you are!" Yeah, exactly. It's not, like it's <laughs> not interesting, is it? I mean, I don't no. know. It's kind of, and these aren't even like. Let's be honest, it is men, not women. And it is younger guys, but there's also older guys who do it. You think, haven't you had a chance to grow up out of that yet?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like the old um, South End seafront Essex Boys runs with the old yeah. Fiestas and the Sierras and the Max Power days. It's right, those days are behind us. You've given yeah. us all a bad reputation. Stop trying to spoil it for everyone moving forward. Yeah. Especially when there's so much good that can come out of it.
0: Yeah, there is. And it, the problem is, you can't, you, if you're looking at buying a car, sometimes you actually think, I don't want to buy that because I don't want that reputation, which is a real shame because it means, chances are, you'll miss out on something you could have enjoyed because someone else has already spoiled it for you, Yeah. which perhaps you should say, I won't let them spoil it for me, but you just know it isn't worth the aggravation either.
1: No, I I, I agree with you there.
0: And I'm very much keen on a low aggravation lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, as someone that's worked in a high confrontation lifestyle, it's much more preferable to not be in those Mm.
0: situations. I think... This approach to life and work in general is whatever causes the least stress is normally a better way to go, and it's, It even comes to dealing with suppliers and dealing with people you work with. And I mean, I had trouble last week with someone who was supposed to be doing work on a car, and this was a like a main dealer, and having that kind of problem, I just I don't want to deal with it. I want it to be they've got that issue, sort it out, and then come back to me. I don't. I'm paying you money just give yeah. me the stress of it. That's this why I let you do it. Because I give you the money to fix this problem. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then you don't give me stress. <laughs> I mean, it's the same. It goes for buying vehicles as well. And to be honest, like, <laughs> there's so many main dealers and things Like, we, I have to buy vans, I have to buy trucks, and I deal with people I like as well as people who can give me the product that I need at the right price. Which is, it's a balance of all three. Yeah. But I mean, buying a pair of defenders last year, and there was Land Rover dealers who just weren't interested at all. And really were really terrible. And then, funnily enough, it's the power of social media. And a guy who follows me on Twitter said, can I, like, help? And he said, can I get my guys to have a look at this? And I didn't quite know who he was at that point. I said, yeah, go ahead. Get someone to give me a call. And actually, he got one of his guys at Land Rover Guildford to give me a ring. And I said, this is what I want. I'm interested in two base-spec cars. One will have a couple of options, so it's not quite base-spec. The other one, nothing. Apart from they both have winches went yeah absolutely no problem and to be honest the communication was great and everything after that point i didn't need to worry about it. the cars turned up when they said they were there weren't any issues and they were really nice people to deal with and i'd go back there for more yeah. because that's what they should be doing and that especially when you're buying something that technically is a premium product you should be given the customer service but you actually can't find it most of the time
1: yeah no i think and then there's a the the factors that create those bad experiences are normally people having different kind of pressures and targets and yeah it's not necessarily that they're bad people it's that they're not yeah. being managed appropriately
0: and the priorities are in the wrong place this is and if problem. you turn up saying I want base spec of
1: anything they're like oh, yeah f- it's not gonna make yeah. any margins on it for us
0: absolutely and this is the problem with especially I think a workshop setting is that they have all these targets they're always constantly trying to upsell yeah when actually you're not getting good customer service at that point when there's so much pressure to sell and that ensures that those customers won't come back. Yeah. Whereas you'd actually be better off having a loyal customer base and trying to grow that, rather than trying to force new sales constantly. And it, it becomes a really difficult thing. And I appreciate the pressures those people are under, but it's this whole new way of doing things. It's and almost it's, like it's the American way of doing it. And I think America just, is a horrible place to be at the minute. And this, it's, it sounds horrendous, but it's the problem with employing lots of graduates and these young people with what they think are bright ideas that have actually been tried before and failed go, this is what everyone wants. And actually, I don't want an email with a video link of a traffic light system and what they think is wrong with my car. I'm not interested in it. If someone rang me up and said, actually, it's got this, 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 would you like to sort it whilst we're fixing this problem? This is the price. Fine. But sending someone a link with this is what we can do and you can select it and end up paying £4,000 yeah. is just it's a bit of a joke and it's a bit of a fr- an affront really. Especially when this is where I think it was kind of part of a study in university and they were going this is what we think dealerships are going to come. It was nothing to do with my degree really. They're going this is all kind of about the product and how you can make the product, the, the like, journey of selling it better and let's have a really nice coffee machine and magazines. and." how do you move people through the sales yeah exactly no one actually wants to go and sit in a car dealership like not even like a Ferrari dealership or anything like you're not actually interested so just don't bother make it a a more streamlined process that's better for everyone I think
1: yeah I agree and I know this is a wild tangent but have you ever seen the show Letter Kenny? no so it's a Canadian show yeah right and it's about country folk in a small town Mm -hmm. and it's it's hilarious it's a real funny show but in the the late one of the latest episodes in the newest season, I was watching yesterday, mm. and they have to go and help a female friend of theirs buy a new truck. Yeah, and it's all about like, oh, we're moving through. Like, the, there's the salesperson in the dealership, and then there's these two like pros that know yeah. how all this scenario goes. That's why they're helping, and she's using acronyms and sales funnel this and this yeah. and they're like, oh yeah yeah. So if we uh, we'll do 29.5 nine five hard hard thing, she's like oh 32 and then he's like. Cash, she's like, Oh, yes, and it's all this, like, yeah. the the micro like climate of a sales environment yeah. for a car showroom, and these two seasoned professionals at buying versus this salesperson, yeah. And he's like, Oh, she's uh, she's clearly doing some mimicking, so I folded my arms, so she folded her arms <laughs> yeah. to try and connect with us, and <laughs> yeah, all this all little that. like psychological twist, and that, yeah, all set with these two country bumpkins in their jeans, like, yeah, like tartan shirts and all that kind of thing and it was so funny and in the end the young woman who was there to buy the truck and called her professional mates and just went this is what we're going to do and the lady was like oh yeah I guess this is what we're going to do she's like the fuck have we got you two (laughs) for and it's just this whole dynamic of buying a car these days is just everybody's got tricks and everybody's trying to swindle each other and there's no like this is what it is this is how much it costs
0: yes or no do you want it don't you want it kind of thing (laughs) I think everyone kind of views themselves as a savvy person. Though. Yeah, or a potential copy of a particular popular person who may have had a TV show with someone else in the automotive world <laughs> and think they're kind of the king of doing deals. Yeah. And most people aren't actually any good at doing deals. King it of yet. doing
1: deals and some wheeling might yeah, be connected exactly. to Exactly, you know what I mean. It's kind of,
0: I, yeah, I, <laughs> that kind of thing. Everyone wants to be a driveway trader until they actually have to do it properly, and that's the problem.
1: Yeah, like I've always kind of liked the idea, oh, buying buy and selling cars. And then I go, yeah. well, actually, I, I know a few people that do it, and it seems like a really you horrible have to deal with thing people,
2: do, and
0: yeah. people are the tough part. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's,
0: it is one of those things. I mean, that, don't get me wrong, in buying and selling cars, I've had a lot of conversations with really interesting people who bought cars for me. It's really, really lovely people as well. And I'm glad for that, because it makes you a, a bit richer for it, and having those conversations, of really unusual conversations, you never expect to come out of sideways almost. yeah and there's some really clever people and some really interesting people and that side of it's really nice but they are mostly outweighed by the type who want to everyone's got to have a deal they can't just go actually no that's a fair price i'll buy it yeah and i mean even i'm like that i suppose but it's everything has got you everyone feels like they've got to have something from someone else to make them feel better yeah there's got to be a small win yeah i got that yeah. thrown
1: in or i got that knocked off and exactly yeah like but, when i when i bought my car i basically just went this is how much I can afford yeah i'll I'll give you that, and they yeah. went, yes,, I went, thank yeah. you, and then when I went into a sales job, and I turned up in that, they went, oh but you've got a great deal because you're a savvy sales, and I went, no, no, I went, this is how much I can afford, yeah, this is how much it costs. Do you want to do that?
0: Yes, thank you very much, not everything has to be a deal, does it, because in the end, look you 've got a car that you want at a fine price what what more do you actually need to have? Yeah. is it really going to last with you that you spent another ten minutes arguing for someone? for another 100 quid off, it doesn't make a difference, does it? No, it just, within
1: about a week, you've forgotten that whole conversation, exactly. you're just enjoying the car.
0: Yeah, it's just, it, it's not worth it. Uh, but it's me. just funny that that's the state,
1: I, again, it's you see enough TV shows and you get all these influencers from different directions going, oh, it's all the art of the trade and being savvy and knowing how to knock the right thing off and the dealer's out to get you and try and cut corners and that. Yeah. like, Why can't it just be a a simple process of here is a product, here is a price, here is a person that wants that product for that price. Everybody is getting their margins in the right way to survive. It's almost communism is what I'm aiming for.
0: (laughs) I think the fact of life is no matter where someone is, so you've got good and bad people everywhere in every walk of life and in every trade, and that includes main dealers, that's second-hand dealers, that's classic dealers, that's private individuals. The chances are you'll come across both. And... People really like to take a dig at second-hand dealers, second-hand car dealers, because they are almost the ones that always want to swindle you. You've got these, so it's, like, it's like people go. They had these dirty tricks in the seventies and the eighties, and they're still doing them now. And yeah, yeah there probably are still some of those. And there's a I've lot of car dealers right to do way. spray can jobs to hide scratches. Yeah, and Yeah, of stuff course. Like that. But there, there's always the people who do things the right way as well, and it's finding those. And finding those with the right car and just keeping your wits about you but it's really difficult to kind of not be prejudged by someone when they think you're a certain type of person it's kind of what they expect almost because that's what they've seen online or this is the way they should go about doing a deal yeah or it's the good one you always see is kind of it's normally a young guy with his dad and his dad's like this is how we do a deal and it actually doesn't sit comfortably with the younger guy because he actually doesn't want to be that way. It's Jared deal. when he goes to anything.
1: Yeah. He's like the last person to try and, yeah, like, oh, let's do a deal. He's like, I just want to buy the yeah. thing. I don't want to have the stress of this situation. Exactly. Involved.
0: I think doing a deal for a lot of people can be quite stressful. going, well, You in. feel like you're almost trying to
1: rub them. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, I've got to be cheeky. I've got to be putting pressure on and that kind of thing uh,
0: i think you've got to do what it feels comfortable for you most of the time i think that's quite difficult if you've got people that you respect pressure saying actually you could save yourself some money here but if it doesn't sit comfortably with you then it's not necessarily worth it
1: i think there was a video that went around um, quite recently and it was a father and son go to look at like an old golf or an old civic or something like that it's this little old lady and the dad's like, yes, it's a little old lady. We're going to have it. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, yeah, just take it to the shop. She's like, brilliant. And he's like, it's got leather seats and the tyres. Yeah. And the And then it cuts to a video of this little old lady, like, fully sideways, like, <laughs> running right the crap out of this car. And she, he's like, oh, we've got her over the barrels here. Yeah. And she's like, absolutely not taking care of this car at all. Yeah. And it's one of those, like, don't judge yeah. the perception. It's just Absolutely, a, one lady owner. Yeah, and I, I would probably run away more quickly from a one lady owner than a... A guy that I know has looked after the car. Because you yeah. see the videos where the oh, customer has turned up at the, the forecourt with a problem. It's like the tyre's shredded off and it's got no oil in it and stuff like that. And she's like, oh, I don't know what's going on.
0: It's, it's a difficult <laughs> thing, isn't it? Because uh, one of my best friends, she's actually very car savvy and she does a lot of miles. Yeah. And she looks after her car. And one of my other friends, so I've got in you know, a group of kind of like four main best friends. There's two guys, two girls. And the guy... He's not a car person at all, I mean, he likes driving my life but he cannot look after a car. I mean, most of the time he drives around in his mum's 3 series, which has a mum number play on it. (laughs) And he won't ever have a chance of hearing this, so I can say what I like about him. And I'd say it to his face as well. Um, But the other kind of girl in that group, or lady rather, she's not car savvy at all. I mean, the first time I met her, because she was my other friend's friend from university, she drove fully over a roundabout, and that was in a white limited edition Corsa. it kind of there is no specific type of person no. by gender or by age that looks after a car right it just um it's who you are as a person how you brought up maybe yeah but depending on whether you're interested or not some people won't look after a car because they don't actually really like cars they just want a white goods transport but it depends doesn't it
1: yeah no 100 100 and I, I think um like even if you take Myself and Grace is like a small microcosm of that. I'm yeah. obviously big into my cars, Yeah. and Grace recently, when she came and fetched me f- when the Renault broke down, she again. got there and she went, "Oh, <laughs> again. I, uh, I just discovered something." I was like, "What?" She went, "I really like driving on empty roads with the music cranked up quite quickly." <laughs> I went, "Oh, so the thing that inside that for years. Yeah, I've been doing since I was like 17 is driving yeah. on empty roads at night with either the music completely off or with it full whack." Yeah is a really enjoyable experience
0: she's like i've just discovered this is a new thing i enjoy but you think back a year now to when you first got the Renault, and you weren't sure that she'd like driving it either and you yeah. drove it home that first time and actually enjoyed it and she that was, was kind of again someone else into the classic car world but it was kind of you weren't actually sure whether she liked driving that I, or well, not
1: I, I didn't really tell her i was getting it until we yeah, went to I pick know. it up which was my my first cautious step into right gonna have a classic car again and then fortunately she thought it was cute yeah and then i parked we went to take the photos that i first took and showed oh can i have a go yeah like, yeah sure far away and then i was like tongue-in-cheek like oh my god is this, what's gonna happen and then she drove it she revved the shit out of it because the clutch is so <laughs> yeah, in different place to what you'd expect and uh she, she really loved it and now my biggest worry is it's not that i don't want grace to drive this car or enjoy this car or be in it with me or anything yeah. like that my biggest worry is if it breaks down. Yeah. Because if it breaks down when it's just me, um, not to say that Grace isn't resilient. Oh, they're on their third lap now. Yeah. Um, it only took them 20 minutes that time. Yeah. Going <laughs> shorter um, Not to say that Grace isn't a resilient person who can handle herself, but for me personally, I know that I could sleep in a car and not have to worry. Yeah. You know, like... You don't want someone you care about
0: in that position. No. And breaking the, down the is, is... It's stressful. Not, it is stressful for anyone. And I mean... I'm in a very fortunate position, there's always someone who can come pick me up, and I mean, I've broken down more times than I care to remember, <laughs> and sometimes it's, I mean, like when I came back from the hill climb, and I had a blowout, and the spare tyre in the Porsche is bolted to the, in the boot, and there are no tools and nothing, and it's one of those horrible <laughs> pop-out tyres, there was no use, and it was an old tyre anyway, I wasn't going to put it on, so I sat there and waited for hours, and lucky it was a lovely sunny weekend, but again, another tyre broke down, <laughs> A nineteen sixty-three, I think it was, a Sunbeam Alpine um, Series Two A.
1: The one from James Bond.
0: Yeah, actually. Yeah. So, and it was for recommissioning, and it had a hard top there, no rear glass in it. And he was like, "Yeah, you'd be fine to drive it home." (laughs) And this was down from Amberley, which is near Goodwood. Right. Okay. So. And I got down there by train, got in the car, drove to the petrol station filled it up, like brimmed it with super unloaded, thought perfect, went, start it, nothing. Absolutely nothing. And the dynamo failed. It was so old it had dynamo it would I had to push it uphill off the pumps and I sat there for hours until a truck got to me. And this little old man came walking down the road and he went, I haven't seen one of those for years. And he'd used to own one. And I ended up having a really nice conversation with him. But for me breaking down, I'm not worried because I always know there's someone who's gonna pick me up. But For me it's you. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> it's it's knowing that it's taken care of is the comfort of it. But breaking down and I think there actually needs to be more focus on when, what to do when people break down it's like breaking down on a road and this is one thing going back to influencers and there was one recently who broke down in an older car that he'd just bought on the and, motorway yeah and, and then our stood, very own
1: Liam told him how to yeah and stood it.
0: in front of it filming it and for me if you're in a position where you've got a lot of people following you and perhaps younger people who are influenced by you yeah then you should kind of take safety as the kind of biggest first step yeah. and saying don't stand in front of your car on a hard shoulder of a motorway or an A-road because that is the worst place you can stand. If someone hits you up the backside of your car and you're standing in front of it, Yours. even off to the side, that car's going to go through you and it will kill you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that and you've got to make yourself safe and it doesn't, like, don't sit in your car, behind it and off of the hard shoulder as far as you can get in the safest position is where you want to be because it's your safety. It's not worth Risking, it's not worth videoing it for your social media and going. Ah, oh, have a laugh! I've broken down. I mean, when I broke down the Porsche, some, I was really lucky that quite a lot of people actually stopped and tried to help from the hill climb. One of the, the people mean, I know, Merlin's brother. Yeah, exactly, Algy, and he's a really lovely guy. And he stops, and I walked up the harsh hour, and it was pretty clear. And I was watching what was going on, and then walked back. And I, I mean, I don't. You don't necessarily want anyone to stop. And fortunately, I know him well enough. He's good as a mechanic. And he would have been able to sort something out if someone broke down. And that's why he stopped. Yeah. And that kind of person, absolutely. And he's got his wits about him. He's not silly. But it's kind of, it's really nice for people to stop. But it, it becomes more search, risk. And yeah. I don't want anyone else in risk at that point. And yeah. it's a real difficult thing because you don't want anyone in a situation where they could get hurt as well. And the motorways are a really dangerous place. And the problem is I know a lot of people who work on them and you can become a bit blasé to that risk.
1: Well, and don't if, you say something like um, a roadside recovery driver when they're at the side of the road is potentially the highest risk job in the world. Like, it, your, it, your potential it, for a,
0: a deathly encounter is ridi- the stakes of ridiculously... I'll put it this way, and this is a kind of... We've got trucks that are fully reflective wrapped, and they also have lots of beacons and lots of lights, and we've also had incidents where people have still hit those. Yeah. And that's a 12-ton or larger truck and people don't see them and it is a really scary thing and it's kind of an argument other types of road users argue about not wearing helmets, not wearing high vids, they won't see us but it's taking every precaution to make yourself as self as possible but you still got to be sensible and say I actually need to be watching out for what's going on and being careful and that's kind of why you have road safety training and things like that but to be honest I'd like to see more of that for learner drivers in general not just people who work on the roads. Yeah, but.
1: It' difficult is no learner driver can drive on
0: the motorway and get that. Yeah, exactly, it's but they can, the theory, you can still they? learn the, the basics of it. But the problem is, I mean, I mean, I've stood on the side of a motorway and worked on the side of a motorway quite a few times and it's, you see the people who are a bit blasé and they can be, whether it's recovery drivers or people from the emergency services or highways or people like that, and the worry is that they're blasé and they're taking your safety at risk then as well, yeah. not just their own. If they're not watching what's going on and the problem is someone coming up at 50 60 70 mile an hour or faster the chance of you getting on the out of the way of that is literally only seconds but breaking down in an old car is always a risk but with any old car it's whether you actually know it well enough that you kind of have a balance of whether it will break down or not i mean most of my breakdowns have been the car normally that's sat for a while whether my own car or one i bought and then you're kind of working through that process, like we are with your Renault, and getting it all those little things and correcting them. Yeah. And it's it becomes like that. You kind of how well do you know your car? And modern cars break down all the time as well. I think I have this thing where I'm not allowed to feel smug
1: passing a modern car broken <laughs> down in the Renault because it's tempting karma to to yeah. on the nose. It oh, is, my, my old cars just passed the modern car that's I, I'm guaranteed to break down if that if I ever yeah. feel like that.
0: And it's like my old Jaguar was driving around every day. It's 230-something thousand miles now. And I know that car really well, and I trust that. And there was a point a few years ago when I went to Le Le Mans Classic um, with friends, and I was actually, I'd had the Vantage not too long at that point. And I didn't trust it at all. I didn't, it had a few faults, and I didn't trust it. And I didn't think it would actually make it there and back. (laughs) And this is a 2008 car. And I was actually going to take a near 200,000 mile at that point 1992 Jag instead because I trusted, trusted it more, it more yeah. but I know that I could get in that car and drive it a thousand miles and it'd be fine but I spent a lot of money on it at the same time and a lot of time making sure that it's reliable and it hasn't let me down but it always could but you kind of have a you know when you kind of you have a feeling as to which things might
1: be the next thing to go yeah and which things you are quite confident in their robustness yeah like even in the 86 I am always petrified that the bottom end's going to go again because it, it it's <laughs> Unprompted, yeah, and it's one of those where you could keep putting oil in, you could keep having it serviced regularly, you can keep on top of all of this. A friend of mine who's a an engineer for Rolls Royce Aerospace Mm. had an '86, was meticulous with it because he's an aerospace engineer. Yeah, bottom end went, yeah, got rod knock, and he's like, there couldn't be a more well serviced car, yeah, and it still happened. So like every time I drive it, I'm like, what's that noise? Yeah, like one of the pulley is kind of not whirring or whining you can hear a little squeak i'm yep. like well, i'm gonna have to have a look at that now aren't i just yep. in case it's something more does serious does it spoil the car for you though no i still oh, i'd probably treat it not as well as i should in terms of how i drive on certain i would suspect
0: there's a lot of worse treated ones out there oh
1: yeah there's there's one currently i saw it when we were down in um portsmouth when we had the cantash and the egg and everything there mm. There's one turned up there, and it had a smashed front bumper where he'd been to drift Matsuri, so drifting nice. it. He's got a hydraulic handbrake and all that, but he's lost a fog light and it's cracked the bumper and this and the the rears had a bit of a scuff and a run in with a tyre and stuff like that.
0: He's currently up for sale for 15 grand. <laughs> I'm like that is a brave a brave move. See, I got a hydraulic handbrake in the curfew Jag, but the way they did that was basically they disconnected the rear brakes and only put those on the handbrake. Oh, lovely. That's how they did it. That I mean, sounds terrible. Ha- I the rear brakes, and anyone who's seen next XJS, the inboard brakes are actually quite small and they don't necessarily do a lot. But that was one of the things we had to correct when doing it. <laughs> and my dad was like, you should keep the hydro handbrake, find a way to do it. And I was like, I actually don't want it. The chances I'm going to use it are so extremely low. There's not much point in me having a drift it. car. <laughs> yeah. I think that car, I don't need the handbrake for it to go sideways at all. Yeah. As much as you like because it's got these kind of cheap American, or it did have till line first one uh, cheap American tyres on the back of it that just weren't any good <laughs> um, but yeah I'm, I'm not on, again with that Escort that I'm building we were, it had a hydraulic handbrake fitted when I bought it so I just don't want it it doesn't actually interest me in the car I'm not interested in building a drift car yeah you don't need to do it's handbrake not the way turns. I drive
1: I can hear all, that's probably a motorbike nothing exciting um, yeah you, you don't need it unless it serves a function for you which if yeah. you're not handbrake turning everywhere I mean you're not going to
0: see me at drift weekends are you no it would be quite an unusual sight. It
1: would be an amazing sight. There is a Drift
0: XJS out there, though. There's a guy, um, he organised Rust to Rome. I'm trying to think of his name. And he's got actually a V12 Mark 10 Jag, which I would really like to own. (laughs) One like that. But he built, he got a cheap XJS and built a Drift one. He welded the rear diff and things like that. But he's someone who does quite a lot of work and he runs his XJS, his main one, which calls the Black Pearl, a lot and does a lot of work on it. (laughs) and does a lot of miles in it as well. Yeah. But there's there's quite interesting. The car, they shouldn't necessarily exist like that, but there's people doing funky things with them, which I quite like. Oh, there's but, a
1: guy that's built a drift Ferrari, isn't he? Have you seen yeah, that? The, yeah. I think it's a, it's they, not a 612. There
0: right? was a video of that, wasn't there, going up at like a hill climb course, so like, much really sideways, and there was something following it like on the back bumper. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't think I've seen that one. i have to have a look for it.
0: It's a yellow, yeah. I don't
1: know which Ferrari it is. It's one of the front-engined yeah. ones. Um, just absolutely. It's also
0: a, Ferrari-engined um, GT6 as well, isn't it? I've there?
1: seen it in the flesh. and I've Didn't met that me... get crashed right away? No. What they were doing, they were filming it going up a canyon. Yeah. And they were using a 458 as the camera car. Right. And it clipped the edge yes, of the canyon and just snapped a, a front um, tow rod. Oh,
0: right. Okay. Not too, too bad, then. But...
1: No, you just snapped that, but it meant that it was kind of out of action for the day until they went yeah. back and got another one. Yeah. Yeah, they took a 458 v8 put that up the front of a the guy that has that has just put a formula one v10 in a supra for his next drift car lovely guy actually met him at festival of
0: speed it sounds like a really cool project but almost sounds
1: amazing a
0: waste of that engine that engine is like the pinnacle of its time yeah and it's the best formula one engine and well it's in a very cool
1: drift car at least
0: yeah, I, I think dr- drifting just isn't my thing. I think if you had it in like a track car or something like that, I could understand it. Or something that was like racing orientated. Where it could I guess be drifting, drifting is literally you have a load of power and yeah. brake traction. And it doesn't hold matter it. kind of how that engine so produces the
1: power. It just kind of be yeah. Well, the, the go to is the like inline six with a big twin turbo setup. Yeah, because you get a lot of power. They're built quite robustly, so they're less likely to break. Yeah, um, there's a, a young young lad that is uk drift champion or something like that it's about 16 he's got a sylvia that was like basically he took they went to a company they said we want to get a drift car yeah they built him a drift car and he used it all season not had to strip it down every race and that kind of thing
0: i suppose that's the way to do it you've got the money to do it though isn't it yeah it's kind of that is the money approach to doing something is go i want this built to the right spec first time rather than going to gonna, yeah, box budget. things on and yeah. put things together and know or, how to strip it all the way down and or, put it yeah, back together again work up a spec over time I think if you've got someone who knows what they're doing and how to build it and you've got the money to do it yeah. then why not and but, it, it works brilliantly it's a fantastic thing yeah and uh,
1: he's a great kid to be fair but he's a 16 year old what 16 year old is going to be able to take apart and put back together most things to a high performance level that's needed for that level of like drift champions no
0: it. not a lot of them will have that kind of experience or none of them will have a lot of experience just due to age they may have yeah. skill and they may have knowledge they may have been taught by someone from a long age but it's building that experience up over time yeah and it's what have also got against an E30 E3 series which is quite a cool little thing see I had an E30 it was a cab though um, it was a 320 auto and it was a sweet little thing to drive but I never had that desire to have another one I was like, right it's a funny thing with I cars. I won't tell Mike that because it's literally Mike's favourite car. <laughs> that or a but 355. It's, it's a very different to like a 325 Coupe or yeah, an yeah, M3 yeah. or a 318 IS, which I'd quite like to try. But it just, I think BMWs of that age, I had a 628 and a 635 Auto, and neither of them really hit the spot for me either. But I think the Auto gearboxes let them down.
1: That seems to be the common factor. Yeah, it's neither the Auto box for you. So out of all of the classic, we're, we're taking the Jags off the table because we know that's your go-to. Mm. Out of all the cars that you've had or currently have, which would be the one that you would pick if you had to be stuck with one? I, you pick cars for
0: different reasons. Because so. it's difficult. So you've got like the Alpine, the... I've got, I've got too many cars. So the Alpine and the Vantage are not like on the list. If it, talking about modern cars that I've got that mean the most, my mum's old car means the most to me of yeah. anything that's a pure emotional kind of sentimental attachment because that car reminds me of her yeah. and I can sit in that car and no matter how it is it's got it kind of gives you that feeling back so that for me is the most emotional attachment I mean out of the cars I own the 911 is a car I've done probably the most my in, and it's a special car for me that I wouldn't want to sell because it's like an old friend I can get in it and you kind of reconnect and you have that just driving enjoyment yeah and it's everything like what people say about 911 just drives really well really reliable just goes and it's just it's a really great package and I know everyone goes yeah a coupe's better than a cabrio but I really like that car and funnily enough the first time I drove that I didn't like it at all it was in heavy traffic around <laughs> junction 29 at the M 25 I was getting used to the pedals being hinged the wrong way Oh yeah, and it's just it was like a bit of a pig almost and it wants to be driven but out of cars that I've owned, I'd really love to have another Lotus land Plus 2S because that was a really nice, sweet driving car. I'm trying to think of other things that have been really special. I think I've, I've owned a lot of nice things, and it's kind of you forget. I'd love another Cleo RS 200 because I love my one. I think I kind of blow it out of proportion in my head, and it's been turned <laughs> into a track car, which I really dislike because it was a really clean car. Oh no! Um, but I'd like another one of those. But yeah. I, the problem is I don't tend to sell stuff too much. I kind of, if it's a car, I keep it. I've got a problem with keeping too many cars. But
1: I think your dad would agree with that. Yeah, he definitely The fact would that we have to hide stuff as well.
0: Yeah, it's not too much hidden. I mean, he forgets rather than he doesn't know. <laughs> it's not often I'll buy something and it'll just turn up. I mean, I did that. the first car we really do that was with the Vantage. And i kind of like, I bought this car. And he went, what? And I was like, uh, it's an can Martin you drop me down there? Like, <laughs> I need to collect it. And he was like, what? He doesn't well, care at least anyway. you told him
1: before you... Well, you made the mistake of telling him before you asked him to drive you there. Yeah. You should have gone, can you just drive me here? Yeah. And then when you get there, go, I bought a car. Because by that point, you're already there then. Which is what I did with the Renault. Yeah. I was like, can you take me to Sudbury? Oh, why? Your car's right there. You go to Sudbury. I was like, no, I need you to drive me.
0: But yeah, it's one of those things. He doesn't really care anyway. He's like, well, you sure I own money? And the funny thing with that car is I got a bit precious with it because it was mostly spent on a car. He said, one of the things I like about you, and it's an odd thing to say to a child, (laughs) he said, is that you're not precious with any of your cars. You actually use them and drive them. You don't worry about them. He said, don't be any different with that. And I think that's the lesson I needed to learn with a more expensive car, was that I wasn't going to worry about the value of it and leaving it somewhere. Stupid that I probably took that to heart and took it to Westfield, and then someone dented the door, and I was really upset. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm not too bad at using a car and I like using cars owning the car and just looking at a car isn't enjoyment for me driving them and actually yeah. maintaining them is I think but yeah there's there's so many cars to own <laughs> there's, there's so much I'd like to own but it's a problem in getting there and actually selling stuff and going I'm going to change that will it be better yeah I think is the problem I have
1: so how did the I know we've gone past the hour mark by a reasonable amount now, and I know that if you anyone paid... gets
0: to this point, I'll be impressed.
1: Oh, we did a two-hour episode once. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if
1: I'm going to, we'll end on this. I'll release you from <laughs> yeah. your, your dreaded talking. That's all right. Um, if there was a car that you could money no object go for, I know you're a big fan of the Koenig stuff yeah and i know you like a very weird and wonderful extravagant car that maybe not
0: many people have seen or heard of what would you go for Ah, it's a really hard decision there's so many different things i think my dream car from when i was a kid was always a 1950s 300 sl gullwing because they were just the most stylish thing out there and i would absolutely love to own one i think i would love owning one i think that's still stopping the top of my list i mean yeah, there's Koenig cars. I like the whole range of Koenig cars, from S's to Ferraris. I would love to own one of those. Three hundred SL is a pretty. It's it, it's quite an obvious choice, though. It, it, it is an obvious choice. I agree with that. But then, it, I'd love a pre-war Bentley, and I'd love an AML car. I'd love there's there's so many things. It's, it's impossible to choose one thing. <laughs> I think I did write down my top ten list of cars at that point at one, like one point, and it was. It, it's really difficult to settle an even 10 because there's so much variety in there and what you could own that it it becomes kind of you, you'd have to have everything it's yeah. just difficult no, but agree. a 300sl was i had a model of it when i was a kid and that was always the car that was the most special and i think i'd love to own one of those that's that's fine we'll I,
1: take that as your answer i don't
0: think there's anything modern that really has that same kind of feeling for me they think oh, that's really cool i don't see anything that's released that i think that is like fantastically amazing there's things that i like but they're not i, I think, think a lot of modern stuff is
1: hampered in a way that old cars weren't yeah there's a lot of limitations due to quite just a flyby like safety and pedestrian yeah safety absolutely and stuff like that whereas old cars were able to be a lot wilder and by default more exciting and interesting
0: yeah but it actually if you like the 300sl was a clever car but it wasn't like they basically the parts they took to build it weren't necessarily the most special, but they still did it in a way. And actually, um, Ian Tyrrell's workshop did a video on a 300 So, and It's really interesting to watch. And I'd suggest to anyone to go and watch that. Yeah. Actually, and, that. See, and now I'm sitting here and thinking of more cars that I'd love to have. I'd love an XJ220. That would I'd be love nice an XJR15. I know someone who's got one of those. See, they are, but
1: there, there's so many cars out there. Funnily enough, I... to. Bring it back to you in the classic car and auction world. I met two of the guys from Silverstone Auctions, mm. and by two, of the, I think there were two of the like the top guys yeah. as they were picking up a three hundred SL from a storage facility. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, is this yours? And they're like, no, we're from are Silver- the guys from Silverstone yeah. Auction, and in a really roundabout circle, we've come all the way back. Yeah, thanks to a three hundred SL.
0: It is a really obvious choice. It's <laughs> very
1: cool. I very recently. Um, was up close with one. Mm. I've got a photo of Lila next to it in a field. <laughs> and this was one that has been restored to an over the top level. Yeah. Like millions of pounds worth of restoration. You could spend a fortune. And it was lovely. Okay. I would love to spend some time actually with it, Yeah, driving it, that kind of thing. And it was, there was that, there was a D type, yeah. Le Mans D type, an actual one, not yeah. a fiberglass body over something else. Um, an,
0: F50, like an F fifty. B- I like an F. I prefer an F fifty to an F forty as well. I
1: would like the F fifty. That's the Formula One engine as well, isn't
0: it? Yeah, to me the F fifty. I think you know the arcade games you always play as a kid. Yes. It, I always chose the F fifty. It was F50. always yellow, but not the F forty. I, I do like an F forty. Well.
1: I think the F forty has been put on a pedestal to a certain extent as well. Yeah. I would also like an Enzo. That was my. like the, the Enzo when I was a kid. Not was so the, much now. I think. I've sat in one. That's as close as I've got to anything involving in it, other than spending an evening with that P1 GTR. They also had an Enzo down there. See, I've
0: never owned a supercar. I don't think I've, no, I've never driven a supercar. The closest I've got to driving a
1: supercar is probably the old Porsche Turbo, which was arguably one of the quicker cars around at, at the time. But it's yeah. not. We had that alongside with a, a four, F430 and a Gallardo.
0: But they're baby supercars, so they don't really count. Yeah, so the interesting thing is there was a yellow Testarossa for sale last year, and I was like, I never have the money for it, but I was like, I'd really like to own that. And interestingly, at the same time, I bought that Facelift XJRS, and someone sent me a copy of a, an article written by Andrew Frankel about an XJRS in period against supercars at that time. And that car actually was written about really favorably. Right. And yet, it's not a supercar. It could be a Super GT, I suppose, if it was built now. Yeah. But they, they More were... More like, like a Bentley
1: Continental GT that yeah, yeah. Is a... A super supercar,
0: yeah, exactly. So it's kind of what defines a supercar for you because you get now it's not a supercar, you've got hyper cars, you've got super GTs, you've got track cars, you've got yeah, all this kind of stuff. I don't think, is a supercar just a mid-engined kind of fast car that's faster than a sports car and worth more, or is it can it only be for a certain brand? Or, yeah, no, I agree with you, but yeah, like an older Ferrari, is a 348 still a supercar, is it a sports car now? Because it's not as quick as a fast as the Toyota. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. It's not like a fast car anymore, is it? No. It's like a reasonably quick car.
1: Yeah, like even the, the Miura, when they were talking about the statistics, that you're like, oh, that's actually,
0: yeah. a Golf R would keep up with that these days. Well, Golf R would probably outdrive it everywhere. Yeah. But then the Golf R's got all the stability aids and everything that makes it completely anodyne. True.
1: I don't lust after most modern stuff. I think the yeah. only thing that I'd probably find a bit more entertaining is a Yaris GR. I'd like, like to try you've one. I have been put on a bit of a pedestal as well.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd like to try one, but I'm, I think I could get on with it, but I'm not necessarily sure I would. And I think with modern stuff, I have to spend a lot more time driving it to bond with it than the old stuff.
1: Yeah, I can, I can get behind that.
0: And like, I had a 205 GTI, an MI16 one, and that was a really fun little car, and it was just pure enjoyment. And funnily enough, out of all the cars I've taken Frankie, that was probably his favourite. But at the same time, I sold it, and I'm not, I don't necessarily miss it, I'd have another one to have the enjoyment, but they're not uncommon. Yeah. Whereas finding stuff that's really kind of rare is part of the fun. Yeah, it's more difficult, but they're also more expensive.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And there's always a bit of specialness in anything that's not common. Even yeah. my little Runo, it's not common enough for it to no. be more special now.
0: Well, funny enough, there was that the other one that was on eBay, the. Uh, the the gordini turbo yeah or the alpine gordini how much did turbo. that go for in the end that not reserve not met at 9200 and i was tempted but the car's not in the uk i can't see the car yeah i don't want to bid on it
1: and last time you drove all the way to scotland for one yeah and that was ringer. yeah that's kind of my fault
0: yeah but <laughs> that car wasn't as it looked yeah um let's say but i'd, I'd love one and well, it's you need like, to get
1: that 17 gordini like well i need to get about.
0: both of them out yeah
1: because they, they'd be a fun pairing to take But again,
0: they need some work. I mean, the popcorn maker, the white one, doesn't have its fuel injection fitted. It's on a car, which it shouldn't be. And the other one, they both need painting. They both need rust work. They both need yeah. a lot of stuff. Which they, just
1: seems to be the default list for most of the things that you've got
0: going on. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a limited list to everything, but I don't mind a car being not completely perfect if it's drivable. And I've driven the white one a bit, and I've driven the green one as well. I've driven the white one a lot more, though i mean i drove that back and bought that at anglia car auctions and funny enough they used the description saying there's only one other in the country which was the green one i'd already bought (laughs) as a opportunity to try and jack up the price um but that was the same thing with the green one there's only one other in the country there was only one other i mean so the background is my dad was a Renault mechanic and he was an apprentice and he loves renault he used to get fights at school because he loved renault and he was from a renault family and everyone else was Ford in catford
1: well this was the fun thing when i first met him
0: was yeah. when i got the Renault, and he
1: immediately came over yeah and like, he's obsessed <laughs> he is and he tried he, to play it cool and
0: the green one we bought from cca so classic car auctions and he actually went out to go he went i don't believe this is real he said i've never seen one he said and i like he knew Renaults. he worked on them all when they were doing he was he was like Renault mad um and it turned out it was and he kind of he spent ages looking over it and he was going to put a commission bid on it I said, no, do a telephone bid, because I know you're a cheapskate, but if someone's actually talking to you, there's a chance you'll bite. <laughs> and he did, and then they were like, there's only one other. But since then, people have tweeted me and gone, actually, there's another like three or four maybe that they know of. Hiding around. Which is, uh, like, it doesn't Johnny bother Johnny Smith me. will probably do a barn find video. Yeah, a few of them there'll I be a hundred of them. It doesn't actually bother me, because I, I think it's nice to have more of them around and Yeah, you've got it for
1: the fact that it's the only one. Yeah, you've got it because it's the car that your dad loves. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I'm not what I want to get to a stage where we can have them both on the road and can take both of them out because it's actually quite nice going for a drive with him. It's not like it's it's just kind of fun pottering about. No, cars aren't fast cars at all. Yeah, the fact that they're both same or very similar is perhaps the fun in. Driving around, and they're not quick, and just I still need you to take
1: a photo of both of you either in
0: my Renault or in something smaller, like <laughs> yeah. a Fiat 500. Well, we've got a photo of us both in the Fiat 500 and an old one where you stick your heads out of the roof. <laughs> and finally, My neighbour, we look after his daughter's Fiat 500 and an old one, but yeah, then we're not necessarily designed for old cars, exactly.
1: It? It's great, you're both big built men, it's yeah. fantastic. And the
0: problem is, it's like I'd really like to have pre war cars, like I said, an enamel car and things like that, but I'm actually not built that I can fit in a lot of things, and there was. A really lovely, so it's what is known as BMW when they were first using kind of Austin chassis on license um, at Bottoms MPH. And I would have really, it was the most gorgeous little thing. It was bright blue. I thought I'd love to buy it. And there's no way I could actually fit in and drive it. And that's the difficult thing. Yeah. So I need something that's a bigger kind of chassis like Bentley's and things like that to be able to drive them. Yeah, because as we all know, until 1950, all men were five foot three. Yeah, or shorter. Yeah. So, and they all had size four feet. Yeah. It doesn't actually... We were hobbits. Yeah, exactly. But, but they had smaller feet. Yeah. I'd love to own stuff like that, but I'm kind of limited in what I can choose. Yeah.
1: Well, I found it a funny, on that short people from the old olden days, now there's that thing, oh, the doors are all small in old houses because we were short. It's nice because wood was expensive. Yeah.
0: So you'd have a tiny little door to save on the wood Yeah. rather than because people were three foot tall. It's really funny, actually, because all my dad's family are absolutely tiny. And I mean, like, they are... All like five foot seven or shorter, and he, when he was at his tallest, when he was like middle age, I suppose, was like six three. And we, he's always said throughout growing up that the only tall person in his family was his grandmother on his dad's side, who was Scottish, and she was like my kind, so six three, and a massive woman apparently, and never anything like we couldn't understand how he was like. It was a bit like Twins, the film, so he was like the freak of nature that was just big Yeah, yeah he was Arnie and And then he was... said last year, out of the blue, that his father was tall as well, and I was like, how, like, always <laughs> you always said. never met your granddad then? No, no, I've never met my grandparents on that side. He was, he didn't like them from a young age, and he never introduced us to them, and to be honest, I never missed them either, and I lost the only grandfather I know last year. Right. But it was, I, I never missed them, but I don't know a lot of that side of the family. Yeah but it's one of those things isn't it but apparently he was tall as well and we were kind of just looking at him completely right oh, you like you've always said that they were all short and they never <laughs> understood it and now it makes more sense brilliant Yeah, absolutely fantastic
1: well I think at this point you're probably getting tired your voice box is probably starting to
0: seize up this is the most I've talked in years your
1: thumbs are getting itchy because you've not been allowed on twitter um <laughs> You've yeah.
0: got a, a silent drive home because yeah. apparently you don't listen to no, the radio. The, radio, the radio's car. on in that car. Modern it's a modern car. car. It's got. It actually, I really don't like digital radios there because they cut in and out. I'd rather it was a bit blurry, almost. Don't you just Bluetooth your phone? Come on, I don't do that. I don't use my phone in the car. I don't. I, it's like Tim was saying earlier. You can't live with a car without Apple um, CarPlay, Apple Play, or whatever. Yeah, CarPlay. Yeah. I was like, I don't even use CarPlay if it's available.
1: I can't be bothered. See, the, the eighty-six has a touchscreen and everything. I don't think the aerial actually works because I don't use the radio. My phone sits in the center console, out of the way. Yeah. I would be more than happy if that only had a volume knob and yeah. a Bluetooth button, and then I'm happy. <laughs> that's all I need. I need the. I need, or maybe to change the song. Yeah. I need the volume, track, Bluetooth. Done. Yeah. Because that's what I use it for. The screen is off. Yeah. I have the volume in the next and back. Yeah, and then outside of that, it never gets used for anything other than hands-free. Yeah, which I avoid using at all costs because the car is so loud on the motorway that there's no point in it. I, I got a phone call from Footman James to renew the insurance on the Renault. Yeah, and within like three seconds, she's like, "Is this a bad
0: time?" Yeah. I can't hear you. I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> the motorway, me, a chance being in the car is I don't have to answer the phone or I don't have to do any of that. So yeah. I, even social media and Twitter saying I'm mean, on Twitter quite a lot, but being able to ignore everything. If, you, is, if you're not
1: tweeting, it's because you're driving.
0: Yeah, it's a chance to be away from your phone. It's, it's a nice thing. I yeah. quite enjoy that, to be honest.
1: But uh, No, I, I appreciate that you've come on. Right, it's going to annoy it's, Liam and Jared immensely, which is yes. always more fun.
0: Probably not just them. There's a lot of these I've avoided. Oh, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Because it's well, you such a small a one, job. no one's going to hear it, yeah. so it's not hardly a big Perfect. scoop anyway. exactly. I won't even retweet it. Um, no one will hear it. No one's going to know this exists. Your yeah. your huge following of Apart from will come fans. back to haunt me in 20 years.
1: I'm going to post it everywhere. I'm yeah. going to ask yeah. um, my, my new friends at all the different podcast places. Oh, well, You know more people videos. with
0: more social media following than me by far, so it doesn't matter either way.
1: Not that I ever ask anyone to do anything for <laughs> me. Like, <laughs> no. The biggest thing that's happened... No, you happened just tell is, them. Yeah, there's no asking Luke, you're not leaving the cafe. Yeah. We've put a bar across the door. Yeah, I <laughs> literally bolted the door. Put this microphone on. Um, no, I, I, I do appreciate it. And I, I think it it's another example of you really helping with what I'm trying to do. Because yeah. I know that it's not your comfort zone. No, it isn't. Not, I know you don't like being filmed. To be filmed, fair, so I'm,
0: being on a podcast is fine. I'm not a fan of being filmed, absolutely. I'm happiest behind the That's because the
1: you are the the real life incarnation of handsome Shrek
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I'm not comfortable with that kind of I don't mind talking I sit here and talk but like you say helping you I don't mind doing it. Like I help Liam and Jared to an extent I don't want to be on footage obviously but it's uh, I do believe in what you're trying to do and I think talking about the mental health side briefly Cause no one's oh yeah that's, this that's point. part of what, I mean, what I'm doing we all, we all have our struggles so it's, it's important to be able to talk about those things and I do believe there is good in the side of the automotive side of being able to talk and have those people around you not necessarily your friends in your everyday life but you can say actually I'm having a bit of a tough time or those kind of things and we all do struggle yeah. It, everyone think, does. It doesn't matter how rosy someone's life looks on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook.
1: Well, we saw the miserable kid in the Aventador today. Which yeah, exactly. Is like no one,
0: I say, have you ever seen anyone crying in your Lamborghini or Ferrari? It didn't look far off. No, yeah. i only joking. He just wasn't very smiley. But um, it's, everyone has their down days. I know I certainly do. So it's, it's useful. Have a car, have a dog. That's the best on, advice. I hope on
1: the days where you, you struggle, if, if there's anything that I could offer to you, please wear the worst t-shirt <laughs> you will ever see I will look life. at the t-shirt and it
0: will make me smile and I, I hope wearing is perhaps a step too far but then
1: I hope I know it's a horrible joke and it's, it's purely done for comedic value that I made that t-shirt for you yeah. A is a bit of a thank you for being my friend and making a lot of things that would be very difficult much more easy like owning a classic Renault um, and being so so sociable when it
0: turns out you hate being around people <laughs> it's not that I, hate, look, I do hate being around people you're right but it's it's just i'm socially not socially awkward i know how to put a face on i've learned a long time ago how to kind of cover up what i necessarily feeling and make myself look as if i'm comfortable but it's one of those things and everyone does it but it's it's easy being your friend and i enjoy doing it it's nice to be out of your comfort zone in that kind of way sometimes but it is I think I'm a massive hypocrite for the mental health side because I don't necessarily talk to anyone and I don't necessarily talk about the way I'm feeling and my friends will absolutely say this and they won't hear it, so it's fine. But they...
1: Well, I'm one of your friends. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I mean, my my school friends, (laughs) people who have
0: kind of... Grown up with you. Yeah, had that difficulty of trying to get me to talk for years. But genuinely, for people, if you need to talk to someone, then you should. And if you get to that dark place, then use whatever is available to you to stop yourself being there because Mm -hmm. it isn't worth it you know that I know that it's yeah and my have, big thing is
1: is don't feel like you have to just talk to the people around you yeah you can use all the services
0: yeah and uh, the same is you're on social media I'm on social media if anyone I mean if anyone does follow me even if you don't follow me if you send me a message I'll happily chat to you because I'd much rather help someone if they need it and I'm a total stranger to a lot of people but people still feel like they, I'm in some way approachable yeah and it's even if it is any random stranger, just go, can I have a chat? Or just say, even if you put a tweet out or say on your chat, say, is anyone around for a chat? I guarantee that people will respond because there's a lot of men and women in that position that understand that sometimes you do need to and it's just talking about anything and it can be any old rubbish, but it makes you feel better. It's worth yeah. it, isn't it?
1: and if, if anything, it takes you out of that situation that's made you feel like shit. Yeah. It,
0: it, it can draw you
1: away from those feelings just to talk, even... A, about cars yeah it, it pulls you away from being hyper focused on the thing that makes you feel crap because the problem is when you start feeling crap you then focus on the fact that you're feeling crap and it kind of snowballs yeah, a little for bit for me
0: it's kind of i kind of view it almost as a black hole almost you're kind of on the edge and all you feel is yourself sliding down into it yeah i think some people call it the black dog which i only learned when i was at university what people called the black dog and i really resent that name because Dogs for me are the other side of it, they're, the, they're kind of the positive side, yeah. but I can understand people visualise it in different ways, but for me, I know when I'm kind of spiralling down into that kind of pit of despair and um, how I need to get myself out of it, and generally I'm pretty good at getting myself out of it, but sometimes you do need help and there's nothing wrong in asking for that, even if it is just a random stranger, but you kind of have to have your own coping mechanisms, even if it is just talking to someone. Yeah, so it's, no, I agree. It's I mean, difficult, isn't it? Everyone has their own things that, different, that work for them, Yeah, but talking is the key to it with anything is going actually this is where I'm at and this is what I need to do and everyone has those feelings it's no one is immune from depression or feeling slightly down sometimes it's kind of everyone's suffering even if people don't talk about it
1: yeah no you're you're, you're right and uh, I think it's good to to just be more kind of commonplace that people say look talking helps yeah it, it's I mean, look, doesn't uh, have
0: to be to your 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 partner or your parents or your family or anything. Just just there's there's plenty of people you cannot talk to about it just because you've got that pressure and you don't want to. You haven't changed, but you don't want people to look at you differently. Yeah, I think everyone understands that pressure, but it is making it more acceptable for you to go. Actually, I'm not myself at the moment, or I'm not feeling how I would like to feel. Yeah, and going like that because you've got to make it more appropriate for people to be able to have those conversations, and maybe recognising the signs in your friends as well. And it's okay to ask someone if they're not feeling quite right. Yeah. But you're kind of, it's, a, it's a difficult thing. You've got to work it out for yourself with those people. But I mean, I know I've been depressed before and I've been severely depressed before. And I can say that quite openly. And I say I've struggled with a lot of things. And for me, university was probably the worst period that I had that everything for me it's not feeling sad or feeling down it's like everything doesn't matter almost it's kind of It goes a place. bit grey yeah. nothing you're not interested what's in the anything point? you can't be bothered to do anything yeah. Yeah. and the worst point I had actually I went to go to the gym with my dad I used to train with my dad um, when I was at university and it was the point where I was actually okay Well, not okay but I was down but I wasn't as bad as I had been and I didn't I just didn't want to train I just didn't have the interest in it and he kind of sat me down and he went. I'm worried you're going to do something stupid. And that really irritated me at the time because I was like, you didn't actually notice at the point where I was really struggling and I didn't tell you, but now I'm actually doing a bit better and you're saying, you're worried I'm going to do something stupid. And let's be clear, he thought I was going to try and harm myself or commit suicide or something like that. Yeah. But at the same time, he only said it because he cared, but it irritated me enough to say, I've like, worked through the yeah. worst
1: bit. and I'm on the upswing. I
0: think <laughs> me and him have a better relationship now because we're actually able to talk about that kind of thing with each other and be quite frank and open when we need to be. Yeah. But it took that point to get there because yeah. I think, I mean, I lost my mum when I was young and I, I feel now that I would always talk to her because I was always close to her. But I'm very lucky to have a good relationship with him. And all right, maybe you don't have a good relationship with your parents or your siblings or anyone like that, but it's, it doesn't matter who it is, whether they're family, friends or, like I said, a stranger, but talking to someone is the key.
1: No, I I think that's a really good statement to to end on, really. Thank you for for opening up a little bit there. It's It's all right.
0: It's right here. No one will listen to it. No one's going to get this far. But yeah, even if people do listen to it, I'm not worried. I mean, I'll say it to anyone and I'm very good at being a hypocrite. I'll say that. Me too. Advising people
1: to get help. My new design for this, I'm going to try and do a new design each quarter. One car-related, one mental health-related, as well as the monthly stuff that I'm starting to do. The one for this quarter is all the things that I say to myself yeah. when I know I need to talk. Yeah. And it, the only one that's not on there is, you're a fucking hypocrite. Yeah. Because nobody wants that on the back of a hoodie. No, <laughs> you're a fucking hypocrite. and big But it's stuff like, just say it. But get it off you- your chest. Yeah. It's all right to talk about it. Just, you know that you're supposed to do these things. And yeah. for me personally, I'm, at the f- I'm the person that's trying to pioneer, in some regard, this becoming more common. So when I get to a point where I'm struggling or finding something difficult... Hmm. I have this argument with myself I'm like, you're the guy that's telling other people to do it. You yeah. should be the first person to be doing it. Yeah. And even that is a challenge. Yeah. So I can appreciate when other people find it difficult to open up or yeah. find it difficult to, to know what to say or who to talk to or the directions to go in. It's a really big hurdle. Hmm. And a, a lot of people don't appreciate how much it means when someone opens up. Yeah, because there's a huge fight that happens
0: inside before that statement or that conversation happens. It's a big thing, and I think I'm
1: quite You're lucky in a way. Go on the line, aren't you?
0: yeah. I'm quite lucky in a way that I've had a like social media. I kind of try and keep to a good place, so that it's kind of a reprieve. And I've got a few friends I've made through Twitter more than Instagram that actually will message me and say, "Can I have a chat about this?" And there's a couple that come to mind immediately, and that I feel like I've been able to not help, but kind of help them deal with it Yeah. um, so they can process it and I'd like to think that anyone can do that it doesn't take any special skill it just takes almost a listening ear and just not being too much just letting them deal with their thing and involving you in it and it, it is a massive thing to be able to talk to anyone so it's it doesn't take much of your time but it's worth doing because you don't want anyone to be in that place if you understand it yeah
1: no of course and, but I it,
0: and it's okay to say you're a hypocrite like I can say I'm a hypocrite yeah
1: but I'm not going to plaster it on a hoodie. no I wouldn't plaster it on a hoodie
0: <laughs> but it, it's okay to say it because it's always a process with any of us in saying I'm, I'm going to advise someone to do something that I know I cannot do myself but yeah. I want them to be better but than I, I am I know that this is the right thing yeah, to do yeah absolutely do it doesn't I make it any less right just to say I can't do it yet yeah. But I think you can. So, no, I, yeah. I
1: agree. Well, we were at almost two hours. <laughs> this thing that you were so scared of getting yes. involved with. And yes. No want one to wants to
0: listen to me talk in secret, really.
1: I think it's been a great conversation. Yeah. I
0: hope
1: it. I've enjoyed it more than I
0: expected to. It's all right once you get going. Well, I, I'm happy to sit here and chat to you and I just treat it like that. So it's, that's I what I mean. Once you forget kind of,
1: of, your brain forgets that there's a microphone yeah, connected to you it. You
0: kind of stylize it to what you want people to hear but yeah. at the same time, it is just having a chat and it's, it's nice to sit and have a chat with you.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. Because mm. my big thing is that I am terrified that nobody thinks I'm in any way likeable because I have been <laughs> through my whole life being on the periphery of friendships. No, so to I mean, have that's... someone go, it's... I actually like being yeah, around it, you it's is quite the opposite. Quite <laughs>
0: The thing is, what you don't see is the way people interact with you. And I say you don't give people a choice, but it, it's what you'd call being Northern. You are good at going up and talking to people and just making friends with them. And you are likeable and people do like you, but you don't see it because to you, this kind of thing is also work. So it takes that friendship attitude out of it. But you are, you are good at that thing. And the problem with being on the periphery of a lot of things, and I'm on the periphery of a lot of different groups, and don't necessarily get involved in things just because I don't want to um, or because I'm not included it's one of those things I think everyone suffers but there are a lot of people that like you a lot of people get on with you and there's also a lot of people that probably look up to you and would like to be your friend and I could probably name a few that have been here Right. that kind of probably, not that you're unapproachable, but because you come off of quite garrulous and quite confident, they're kind of a bit taken aback. They can't do it, especially people from down south, as you'd say. Yeah, so when I
1: yeah. move back towards the Midlands in yeah. the next few months, maybe, I well, should the probably Midlands have a few more special approachable. Place. <laughs> <laughs> it's Midlands is like a no-go area. Yeah, it's the Midwest of the yeah. UK is the Midlands. Yeah, you get
0: the best and worst of both. Yeah.
1: Um, but no, it's been great chatting, and I appreciate getting the first... First one from yes. you. Maybe how comfortable you felt with this will encourage you to yeah, I'm not at be least chat with everywhere. Liam and Jared. Yeah, you, you can at least go on their podcast. Well, and I'm give them sure shit I can out. give them a, yeah
0: a gentle ribbing for yeah. me at least. They, I'm not the, sure they can handle it.
1: The the fun thing I find whenever we spend any time around each other is that we come up with a lot of sarcastic jokes to one another. Yeah, and it's all done in jest, and there's a mutual understanding
0: that most things are a joke. Yeah, well we know, it's not that there's any borders in it, but you kind of know what you can have a laugh about. And yeah, there's, you know which buttons you
1: can and can't Yeah,
0: press. and you also know that the other person is just having a laugh with you and they're not, there's no offence there. Yeah. And you're not offensive and I'd like to think that I'm not and we have a laugh. And also the things that we have a laugh about are things we actually both try and help each other fix. So yeah, it's yeah. Not so like it's,
1: I'm more than happy to help you get into sim racing when you feel yeah. like you've got the confidence Listen, to...
0: Listen, <laughs> I just don't want to show you up. That's all it is. Yeah, that is Cause all it, it, it is. Because it's classic
1: sim racing, so it's old racing cars. Yeah, I mean... So you, would, you probably would be most suited,
0: because yeah, it's... Yeah, old cars are where it's at. Give yeah. me the modern stuff and I can't handle it.
1: <laughs> but, uh, no, I appreciate the chat, and we've been yeah, trying well. to close this off for almost five minutes now.
0: I, I think there's <laughs> actually more like an hour and 59 minutes, to be honest.
1: <laughs> but, no, thank you, Luke, and yeah. uh, I will put all the socials connected. Not that anyone needs them, because you're an influencer. We you already yeah. know who you are. I'm but, not uh, an influencer, but let's go with thank that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you.